Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Audible, Stitcher Double Twist, and many others, I'm sure. Thank you once again and always for downloading and listening to this show and for joining me today. It is a incredible pleasure to put the bow on yet another season of Purple Mafia and look forward to the next season and the next NFL year moving forward. My God, 13 years covering the Vikings here with Purple Mafia, looking into year number 14. Absolutely insane, but, uh, well, (laughs) hey, longevity. Longevity counts for something, doesn't it? Thank you, those of you that have stuck with this show for so long. This is the annual granddaddy of them all, State of the Vikings 2021. And again, can't thank you enough for being on board for this, uh, this annual granddaddy of them all. We're going to put a bow on the season in segment number one. We're going to look forward to next season. Well, basically the draft and free agency. Free agency mostly, draft a little teeny tiny bit. Then we'll have a, uh, then of course the fan interaction. Now, of course, we'll have the uh, season wrap-up segment. Uh, well, in this season wrap-up, seg- wrap-up segment, we'll have the, the thread for your biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, and MVP of the Vikings. I load it up as MVP first, but I'm going to have MVP last, and that's probably the best way to go as I announce the show and announce the, uh, well, give out the announcements that you guys have. We also have a call-in from our good friend, Gerald String from Nebraska. Always, always appreciate that. So we'll have that in fan interaction. I'm actually tempted to throw it in this segment, but uh, we'll see. I'll probably put it in the fan interaction segment. It might work out better that way, so to speak. We don't have to kind of cut and interrupt and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of is what it is. Let's jump into this uh, <laughs> season wrap-up as of right now. We kind of look over the season. Of course, the first four games, the uh, preseason, the whole preseason was canceled. We'll see if they have preseason games next year. I'm sure they will. Uh, fans in the building, this and that. Your opinions of this whole COVID vaccine and is it is this, this, and that, is that, that, and the flu magically disappearing and being replaced by COVID cases. Uh, I don't know. That sounds a little bit weird to me. Sounds a little suspicious, but uh, that's just my opinion. Um, <laughs> other than that, you know, we'll see what happens. We can have fans in the building going forward. The Minnesota Wild trying to get some fans in the building. The Twins trying to get up to 10,000. They may have to sell for 7,500 or something like that going forward into Major League Baseball, which could be a major step forward for professional sports in Minnesota, per se. Uh, hopefully we can get fans in the buildings again. That'd be great. But again, uh, no preseason in 2020. We also lost our first three games to Green Bay, Indianapolis, and Tennessee. Look at the Green Bay game a little bit. Very entertaining. 43-34. to 34. Green Bay giving us 43 points. Holden Hill was destroyed the entire game, and that was a massive frustration. Aaron Rodgers looked like the MVP that he ended up becoming. Um, it was like for the last several years, Aaron Rodgers had struggled uh, consecutively. Kirk Cousins, decent, but he had an interception along the way. Dalvin Cook wasn't able to run the ball a whole lot because the Vikings got down early. Adam Thielen opened up the season spectacularly. Unfortunately, he wouldn't get numbers like this very often the rest of the year, though he did get 14 touchdowns, which was quite outstanding, to say the least. But we'll just keep moving forward. Ola B.C. Johnson had 56 yards in the game, and Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers hooked up multiple times in the game, multiple touchdowns, 14 catches. Devontae Adams may end up being the highest paid uh, free agent wide receiver in the National Football League going forward. We'll see what happens. But the Packers 
obliterate the Vikings defense and this is a certain sign that the Vikings defense was well not good the Vikings cornerbacks were going to struggle you have your rookies and you have guys named Holden Hill who are in their third year they look like garbage so what are you going to say about that I don't know Dantzler had some interesting moments and of course a lot of the young guys or all the young guys had no preseason whatsoever on every on every team not just us Indianapolis would get a ton of field goals moving forward ended up beating the Vikings 28 to 11 Vikings defense still didn't show up to play in a, uh, a whole lot Philip Rivers completed the passes he needed to and Kirk Cousins was absolutely embarrassing against one of the one of the better defenses one of the more underrated defenses in the NFL Kirk Cousins embarrassing three interceptions and it led all of us to want to say get him the hell out of here at the end of the year one way or another but uh, well we'll see the Vikings trade front with Kirk Cousins that's going to be a topic going into segment number two. Are the Vikings going to trade Kirk Cousins? Are we going to eat up the uh, $45 million cap hit next season? $45 million cap hit. I mean, good luck with that. Seriously. Delvin Cook, we didn't really truly get to see how dominant he was going to be in these first two games. One up with 60 yards in each game. So that's decent. Justin Jefferson had his first major catches. Was a non-factor in the first game in Green Bay. But against Indianapolis, not a whole lot was happening. And they were doing whatever they wanted. Jonathan Taylor, well, not necessarily, but they were getting enough. They were getting enough. They were getting the first downs they needed to. Guys like Ollie Cox. Ollie Cox is a funny name. Wide receiver, of course, 111 yards. Jonathan Taylor reached the century mark rushing and only a 13-yard run. Uh, long, pardon me. It just kind of is what it is. At least Dan Bailey made his kick. Woohoo! He made a field goal in the game, and the Vikings end up losing 28-11 to in a game where the Vikings offense looked like poo, and the Vikings defense continued to suck as well. Tennessee was a very, very, very winnable game with the way the Vikings were very much in it. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, 31-30 to is your final score. And the final score is all that matters. 3-0 Tennessee, 0-3 Minnesota to open up the season. Had everybody pissed off, frustrated, stunned, sad, and like, what the hell? You know, we were, we were in this game, we had it, and we just freaking choked it away. We just, you know, pissed it away, so to speak. We shot the bed. We were up 30-25 to with... Ten and a half minutes remaining. So, okay. But then we didn't score Jack the rest of the way. That was the frustration. And Steven Gotzkowski made the made massive field goals from way, way out. And the Vikings defense kept the Tennessee offense in check for the most part. Uh, at least Mr. Hill was not all that spectacular in the game. Tannehill, pardon me. Ryan Tannehill was not all that spectacular in the game. He did get 321 yards. But again, not all that great. Kirk Cousins, multiple interceptions, but three touchdowns. Delvin Cook had his massive breakout game of the year, but he also fumbled when he was spinning up in the air. 181 yards in the game for Delvin Cook, uh, rushing anyway. And Derrick Henry, well, he ended up being better because of the fumble at the end of the day. But Delvin Cook was more dominant, no doubt about it. And Justin Jefferson emerged nicely with 175 yards. It was so much fun to watch. Justin Jefferson was open, and he'd make these big plays. And he had a 71-yard play in the game. It was so beautiful. Dan Bailey missed his kick for the first time of the year. First of many for Dan Bailey. He was extremely disappointing during during the course of the season. Brent Colquitt continuing to be great. Harrison Smith got a key interception and a pass deflection. He was one of the best players in the Vikings in this game. Unfortunately, though, again, Vikings just could not get the big stops that they needed to down the stretch. And Gotzkowski was absolutely spectacular, hitting multiple 55-yarders in the game down the stretch. Very clutch, and Vikings choke away a golden opportunity to beat one of the better teams in the AFC, unfortunately. 
Uh, Tennessee, Baltimore, Baltimore, Tennessee, Tennessee versus Minnesota. I don't know. It's Tennessee versus purple teams. It's entertaining football, but unfortunately not good for us. Uh, we played a team that was worse than us Sunday, October the 4th. They didn't mention the dates rudely. <laughs> and I'm still, and I still see the last game of the season floating up in front of me. 31, Tampa Bay 31, Kansas City 9. I'm still happy about that. Vikings would score 31 points and beat maybe, maybe some people would believe our future quarterback, Deshaun Watson. We'll, we'll see what happens. He's uh, not wanting to stay there, and they're not wanting to trade him. Uh, there was an uh, there was a tweet not too long ago saying that Deshaun Watson had been traded to the Bears, and that was completely untrue, apparently. I remember thinking, like, wait a minute, that was 18 hours ago, and I'm not hearing anything? Okay, it's not real. <laughs> Would have been interesting to see Deshaun Watson on the Chicago Bears. Odds are he will be out of Houston at some point. He had a solid game, 300 yards, he didn't turn the ball over, and David Johnson was adequate. But Dalvin Cook really came out to play. Adam Thielen came out to play. Justin Jefferson came out to play. It was a butt-kicking in a lot of ways for the Vikings, and we still managed to keep the score fairly close. 31-23, to seriously. But that's because Deshaun Watson's fantastic. Yeah, he made it interesting with about six minutes remaining, throwing a touchdown pass to Kenny Stills, and they figured we're going to find a way to choke this one away as well. A lot of people figured we win this game, then Mr. Uh, Bill O'Brien will be fired after the game, and he got fired after the game. Bill O'Brien did get fired. Too many mistakes, too much frustration. The fans were, you know, had had enough. David Johnson versus, you know, DeAndre Hopkins going to Arizona. Oh, 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 oh. It hurts. At least they have Will Fuller the fifth. The fifth. How many the fifths have been out there? <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, what do you think his son's name is? I think it's the. It's, uh, I think his son will be named Will Fuller, and then how many receptions did he catch in the game? He caught six. So, I mean, it's just pretty telling, right? And then Will Fuller the seventh, Will Fuller the eighth, Will Fuller the ninth, Will Fuller the tenth. Well, you get the idea. It's going to be fun to watch if we live long enough. Um, yeah, all the Will Fullers. I mean, are you kidding me? Isn't that the most amazing thing you ever heard? Okay, maybe it's not the most amazing thing you ever heard, but to go back. To your great-great-grandpa, Will Fuller, William Fuller. That's pretty interesting, man. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. But that's kind of what that's what this game kind of was like. Vikings finally win a game. Houston goes to 0-4. They fire, fire Bill O'Brien. The Vikings do not fire Mike Zimmer. And we still haven't fired Mike Zimmer because we're not going to. He, he just got an extension, remember, see? He, he, he just got an extension. So keep your mouth shut, Joey. You, you ass. You ass. Seattle Sea Chickens, a game that was just handed to us on a silver platter. They were undefeated, were the Seattle Sea Chickens, and Russell Wilson basically wants nothing more to do with Pete Carroll and the Sea Chickens. He did, well, he did enough. He did enough, and the Vikings just didn't do enough. It was too much to too little. Alexander Madison started, or he didn't start, but he actually got more yards in the game because Cook got banged up in the game. This was the game where he, he got banged up, Delvin Cook, and we were frustrated again. Uh, I believe it was an ankle injury, if I remember correctly, and Mike Boone saw action. That's why you're seeing the name Mike Boone and Alexander Madison with 112 yards against one of the weakest uh, run defenses in the NFL. Absolutely. Uh, their pass defense is okay, but not real good. It's just generally not a good defense in Seattle, and now they talk about Russell Wilson basically has to do everything there, and they're treating him like crap, and I, I kind of agree, and I wouldn't mind seeing him quarterback the Vikings. It's just, well, it's probably not going to work out that way. 
As much as we'd love to see that happen. Alexander Madison reaching the century mark was pretty cool. It's just sad how you move forward and further and further in the year. <laughs> Alexander Madison became less and less of a factor. Partially with coaching schemes and putting him in and giving him the damn ball, but also when he had opportunities, he didn't do a whole lot. Did Alexander Madison, but he sure as hell did in this one. But the Vikings managed to choke this sucker away. Another Russell Wilson freaking miracle where they're hurling the ball down the field and it's caught. And it's caught, and it's caught, and it's caught. They get another first down and fourth and 16. It's fourth and 20. It's fourth and 90. And, oh, my God, a 91-yard play. Oh, first down Seattle. Ah, ha, ha, wow. And the Vikings blow it as Seattle with another miracle. Yeah, it's just it's most annoying thing to watch. But it would be sure nice if he was on our sidelines doing that, uh, on our sidelines and quarterbacking our team doing that. That would be great. Vikings had many golden opportunities. Heck, we trailed giving up uh, scores to Seattle. We led three, uh, 13 to nothing at the half, but then, of course, it wasn't meant to be. You know, the third quarter just went completely Seattle, 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 Seattle until late. Kirk Cousins was able to hit Adam Thielen, but we failed on the two-point bleeping conversion, so we couldn't tie the game up. Kirk Cousins couldn't get in the end zone. Woohoo! That was just great, great decision-making right there, but whatever. Um, I, I don't know. It just didn't work out, right? Because we, we just didn't get the job done. Oh, man. To think Seattle would score three straight touchdowns, though, after we were up 13-0. It was pretty devastating. It's pretty bleeping frustrating. Vikings would get another touchdown, though, midway through the fourth to go up 26-21, and then, of course, the Seattle miracle bullcrap, and the Vikings end up losing by one for the second time in three games. Tennessee and Seattle. Ay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheesh. Can you imagine? But then, okay, so we barely lost to Seattle. Now we're playing the sucky and crappy Atlanta Falcons. Oh, but by the way, they just fired Dan Quinn, and now you get the uh, and now you get the the new coach in there, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach. Ay ay ay, boy. And of course, Raheem Morris took over. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers former coach. He didn't last real long. Good secondary kind of a guy. Uh, he was a secondary type of coach in this past. Todd Gurley feels like he's 90 years old. Matt Ryan looked like an MVP again. He looked like he was the MVP of the league. It looked like it was 20, uh, what year was that? 2016, and Matt Ryan tore the league up. But the Patriots were uh, able to steal away the Super Bowl after they took a massive lead to the Falcons, and they haven't been the same since. It was just like kaboom right in their face. Of course, they were back in the Mexican again in 2017, but they couldn't beat the freaking Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you so much. Just complete the damn pass. Catch the damn ball. Things might have been so different in 2017. Eh, we probably would have lost to the Patriots anyway in the Super Bowl. We probably would have lost because it's the Patriots and Brady's undefeated against us. But we can dream. We can dream. Maybe maybe it would have been our year. Maybe we would have been uh, the Tom Brady Buccaneers winning at home. Maybe we would have. Maybe. Kirk Cousins had three interceptions in the game. He put up great numbers and everything, but the turnovers, the mistakes, what the F are you doing? Justin Jefferson had great numbers again. 166 yards. Just looks like looks like... You know, he's not Randy Moss. He's just, he's different, but he's still able to get open and make the great plays. He just doesn't have that dazzling, like, escape and just catch the ball, you know, just outrun a guy and catch the ball in stride for a 70-yard for a touchdown like Randy Moss from Cunningham. It's a, just, it's a different vibe, but he's getting the job done. He's getting open. He's creating separation. He's catching the ball. Two touchdowns, 166 yards. It was the most beautiful thing ever, and Julio Jones countered it. As now he's the Wiley veteran. Remember when he was the young guy? Feels like yesterday. Now he's old already. Older, anyway. With Matt Ryan also getting older. Seems like yesterday these guys were just, uh, you know, young and really exciting. 
at least for Falcons fans, not for us necessarily, unless, yeah, two touchdowns for Julio. The Vikings just got absolutely obliterated, just humiliated at home. Atlanta would win their first game of the season and drop the Vikings to 1-5, 40-23. Horse shit. It was 20 nothing at the half, and the score just kept, yeah, and then it was 23 to nothing, and we finally scored, and it was 30 to 7. That's when you knew the game was over. 30 to 7, we're not coming back. 23 to 7, um, yeah, probably not, but maybe. 30 to 7, go take a walk. Just, just go for a walk. 33 to 7, 33 to 7, isn't that just great? 40 to 15. Turn the frickin' TV off and find something better to do. Oh, but we scored, though. At least Justin Jefferson, yes, he got the nice numbers. Uh, couldn't complete the two-point conversion. It was nice. I mean, I'm happy Justin Jefferson got the numbers, but again, that was his second touchdown in the game. But, um, you know, nice numbers, but again, very frustrating overall game. To say the least, Ban, ban Daly. Ban Daly made his one extra point attempt, and that was it. No field goal attempts. Vikings destroyed in the... Uh, uh, well, in U.S. Bank Stadium. But then we won three games in a row after the bye week. We won three games in a row. Uh-huh. The tease is on, folks. And they were all in the NFC North. We swept the NFC North in the next three weeks. Okay. You got something cooking here now. You got something cooking here, you know? Come on now. Put your hand to the ear. Put your hand to your ear. And start believing. Saying, come on, guys. Where's the noise? Make some noise. Vikings go into Green Bay and somehow pull out an impressive victory, 28-22, to on November the 1st. Wow. Robbed the, the Packers to 5-2. and two. We're still three games behind, despite, well, splitting the season series. Impressive win for Minnesota. We'll have to, we have to say that, 28-22. to 22. Kirk Cousins showed up for the most part, but Delvin Cook showed up much more so, and he looked like an absolute legend out there. 30 rushes, that's way over the top. Usually you're talking like 20. 30 rushes, but hey... If it's working, it's working. Five and a half yards of carry, three touchdowns. Doesn't get much better than that. Terrell Davis-type performance for Dalvin Cook. He also had 63 yards receiving. He had a fourth touchdown in the game with the catch. Four touchdowns. If you had Dalvin Cook on your fantasy team, you absolutely won. It was the Dalvin Cook week. He looked like the best player in the world at this moment. And Kirk Cousins was efficient. He didn't turn the ball over. Rodgers was still very good, and he managed to get points on the bar. But the Vikings had one of the most exciting games of the of the season, absolutely, uh, no doubt about it. DJ Wanham would emerge. He would be a nice little surprise, getting a sack at a big moment, stopping the Packers' drive, kind of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would do. Several, uh, you know, several weeks later, in a very very important game, moving forward. So now you go to Detroit on the eighth. That was probably the most exciting win of the year, though, to be quite honest, considering Green Bay was way way up there the most likely team to win the NFC other than Seattle, but you could kind of feel it was going to be Green Bay. Vikings beat Detroit, now we're out of last place. We're out of the basement because we beat Detroit. You have a you have a one-game lead, or you have the tiebreaker on Detroit. You went 34-20 to against Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia's done. He's done <laughs> at this stage. You'd end up playing against uh, <laughs> against Daryl Bailey. Uh, Daryl Bevel, pardon me, I almost called him Daryl Bailey. Daryl Bevel going into the next week. And Delvin Cook, 200 freaking yards. 200 yards for Delvin Cook. Wow. 9.4 a carry. 9.4 a carry. And, uh, you know, he also got two touchdowns. Kirk Cousins threw for three. Alexander Madison, oh yeah, he only ran for 70 yards. He sucks. Almost six yards a carry. DeAndre Swift, he sounds like an uh, NBA player, like Stromile Swift. 
Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, the Vikings defense actually looked pretty good in the game also. Frustrating Matthew Stafford in the multiple interceptions. He was taken out of the game. Chase Daniels took over, and he threw another interception. And Bailey missed an extra point. Woo. Who? Dan Bailey missed an extra point. Uh, there was half sacks shared by Eric Wilson, Shamar Stephan, Armand Watts, and Hercules Madahaka. No, Madahafa. Madahafa, pardon me in the game, but one of the most entertaining games of the year, in terms of, if you like stats and you're about fantasy, wow, Delvin Cook the past couple weeks there, absolutely great, we head to Chicago, we go to Soldier Field and win a game, we went to Soldier Field and won a game, the Bears started the year 5-1, and one. now they dropped to 5-5, five and five. they still made the playoffs though, right, you remember they still made the playoffs and played in New Orleans and like, didn't even do anything. It was the most awful game ever. But, you know, you know, at least they made the playoffs, so I better just, uh, I better take it easy. If I like, if, if I really like anybody other than the Vikings in this division, it is the Bears. I can't stand Detroit, and I absolutely hate Green Bay, so I guess it might as well be the Bears. Justin Jefferson, awesome game, 135 yards versus the Bears. Nick Foles had a, had a, had a hip injury in the game. It looked like a hip injury. It was kind of bent awkwardly. He was hurt, but they're saying how, yeah, I mean, it wasn't nearly as, uh, they were saying at the time, it wasn't nearly as bad as it looked. It looked much worse. See, in this game, Dan Bailey kept making his field goals. He was solid. He was okay. He'd miss an extra point here and there, but he wasn't that bad. DJ Wanham, another sack. This is when Wanham was really showing up and helping the Vikings. We wound up winning 19-13 uh, to 13 in Chicago in a game where the Bears offense couldn't do jack bleep. So, okay, we're 5-5. Five and five. We're going to be okay now. Everything's going to be fine. We're 5-5. Five and five. Let's uh, let's go. Let's stop being haters now, and let's let's feel better. We're playing the Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys are terrible. Heck, no Dak Prescott. They have some third stringer out there. Oh, and then now magically, uh, what's his name? Oh, well, what's his name? <laughs> Andy Dalton's back. But it's Andy Dalton. Who cares? He's not going to do anything. Uh, he did a lot. Andy Dalton did a lot, and he completed up passes when he needed to. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, we shut him down all over and over and over again a year ago. It was so exciting when the Vikings beat the Cowboys. Uh, on the road on Channel 11. Sunday Night Football was one of the more exciting games of the year in 2019. Just not the case this time around. Dalton didn't, Dalton didn't get the most spectacular numbers, but he got the first downs that he needed to get. And he threw for three touchdowns in the game. Freaking ridiculous. Almost dropped an F-bomb. Kirk Cousins was outstanding in the game. And Dalton Cook was pretty good. But the Vikings defense wasn't showing up to play in this game. The Vikings defense flat out let them down throughout this one. Ezekiel Elliott, 100 yards, 5 yards of carry, uh, and the Cowboys, well, they made the stops when they needed to, as few, even though they were few and far between. Generally speaking, though, an entertaining football game, if you're not a fan of either team, Vikings should have gotten to be a 500 club. I guess we didn't make it yet. We were on our way to being 500. I was looking at Chicago's record at the time. I thought, you know, you thought everything's going to be okay. Andy Dalton's not that great, but no. Ever since he went to Dallas, he's been great. Kind of the pressure was lifted from being a Cincinnati Bengal. It seemed like every year he'd be in and out and be frustrating, but he had a great game against the Vikings. There's no question about it, and he had some good games after this as well. Callaway's already pretty much out of the mix when it came to the postseason, but bringing the Vikings down with their undertow, and that was a that was a game that would start. That was a, that game caused a chain reaction for the rest of the season. Oh sure, we beat the Carolina Panthers and Jacksonville Jaguars. Sure we did by like the skin of our teeth. We barely showed up to play in those games. We should have crushed those teams. And what would follow after that? <sighs> yeah. 
I think my I think my the sigh and my my the little sigh I gave out says it all. Twenty eight to twenty seven. We had to score eighteen points in the fourth quarter to win the game. Do you realize that? Yeah. You hear that? Yeah, sure we scored early in the game. But Carolina was up twenty one to ten. Twenty one to thirteen. Uh Vikings had to make a pretty exciting comeback down the stretch. And all you know, we got to tease about Kirk Cousins. He's come back Kirk. Basically, we ended up winning on the last drive of the game. Thank God, hitting Chad Beebe for a touchdown to win the game. Of course, he hit Justin Jefferson, him being Kirk Cousins, uh, Justin Jefferson. But we uh, and we also converted a two-point conversion to Ola B.C. Johnson. Gave up another field goal. Um, luckily, the Vikings were able to stop Carolina in their tracks. Teddy Bridgewater was not sharp in the game. He was missing on plays that we think would be you think would be easy. You talk about sometimes how certain guys show up and, you know, certain guys are so good they make everything look easy. Teddy Bridgewater made easy things look hard in this game. And it was sad because I like Teddy Bridgewater, but he stunk in the game. He stunk. I don't know if he just felt bad playing against us or what. I don't know. I don't think he did. He probably was annoyed with us for, uh, you know, giving up on him with his knee situation. But, I don't know, maybe his knee was sore. But right around this time is when Teddy Bridgewater's season just kind of went down the toilet. And some people believe that he will wind up with the Saints again, and because that's where, that's where he had his best success, no question about it. He was fantastic with all those weapons. Ola B.C. Johnson was one of the players of the week, 74 yards. He was great. Didn't get in the end zone, but Jefferson did, 70 yards, and two touchdowns for J.J. And Chad Beebe had that huge, huge week. Very exciting day for Chad Beebe, where he made up for losing the ball, and he really stuck with it. Dan Bailey made all his kicks. You notice how I keep saying that? Because what would happen after this? Things have changed very dramatically very soon, especially against the Tampa Bay Schmucks. Well, they're not the Schmucks. They're the world champion Bucks. Like them or not, they won. Jacksonville Jaguars regarded as the worst team in the league. And they are the worst team in the league. They dropped to one and eleven after this game and they were they're yeah, they're gonna get the they're gonna get their guy. Vikings do get to five hundred, six and six, so they won two games in a row. Two game win streak. We had to go to overtime against a one and eleven Jacksonville team. We had to go to overtime against a 1-11 and Jacksonville team. Did, did you hear that? Well, Jefferson did get over 121 yards in the game. Dan Bailey missed a kick, and he missed two extra points in the game. This was the beginning of the end for Dan Bailey, and we'll see what happens. Oh, <laughs> Oda Nigbo got one of his few sacks the whole season. He had seven sacks in relief last, last year in 2019, and this year only three. Yeah, you can guess what uh, column he's going to be in when it comes to the disappointment, surprise, and uh, MVP. That type of th- that type of conversation. Dalvin Cook, 120 yards. I mean, that's great, but it was just kind of a workmanlike game. It was like 19 whatever, 19 whatever, 1985, 1988, 19 whatever. 3.8 yards a carry and a 12 for a long. Think about that. It's not like Jacksonville's defense is the worst thing ever, but. Shoot, we went to overtime against Jacksonville. We went to overtime against Jacksonville. I mean, seriously. You know, it was pathetic. Uh, James Hollywood Robinson was decent. And yeah, I keep calling him James Hollywood Robinson because I keep thinking back to the old Timberwolves uh, point guard slash shooting guard type of guy. Scoring guard, basically, off the bench. Somebody named Dwayne Smoot had multiple sacks in the game on Kirk Cousins. This game was an abomination. But we won. But we won. Everybody knew the season was over at this point. I don't give a damn if you're 6-6 six and six or what. And the four games that would follow this told the story in a big way. We played Tampa Bay the next week. 
In U.S. Bank Stadium, we lose 26-14. to The Buccaneers had been struggling. They had dropped all the way to 7-5. and Hopes were not so high in Tampa anymore. People were thinking, yeah, okay, it was cool and everything. It's cool having Tom Brady as the quarterback. They'll probably make the playoffs. Maybe they'll lose in the first round to whoever. They'll lose to Seattle. They'll lose to Green Bay. They'll lose to the Saints. They've just been destroyed, destroyed, humiliated, smushed, crushed by the Saints a week or two earlier. Absolutely obliterated. What was it, 41-3? to I was watching that game, and I was just like, what the flip Saunders is going on out here? 31 nothing at half. Sounded a lot like the... Uh, 41 Donut game for the Vikings, and it felt like the 41 Donut game. And after that, the Bucks would never lose a game again in 2020. Ever again. Immortality took over once again. It sure did. Dalvin Cook got in the end zone once. Four and a half yards of carry. Solid performance. Good overall solid performance by the offense, kind of. At least on paper. But, yeah, you'd get in field goal range. You feel good about everything, and Dan Bailey would miss everything. He was over 3. He couldn't even make the extra point. He looked like a guy who was in over his head, and I don't know. He looked like a guy who'd never kicked a field goal in his life. It was the strangest thing ever. A guy who'd been so reliable, and he struggled a little bit against Jacksonville. He, he did struggle against Jacksonville. He missed multiple extra points, and he missed a, a key kick that would have won the game. Bailey had opportunities to keep the Vikings in this one, and he just didn't. He was lousy. And the Buccaneers would run all over the Vikings whenever they needed to. At least the key moments. Brady was solid, this and that. And, well, (laughs) and that Buccaneers defense was absolutely stifling. Shaquille Barrett, who again would be a factor all the way up to the Super Bowl. Dominican Stew and all of them continuing to be factors in the Vikings who get absolutely no pressure on Tom Brady, just like they got no pressure on pretty much any quarterback the entire season, and the two uh, tackles, defensive tackles were garbage all season. Yeah, We'll be talking about them in a little bit. A little bit. But uh, I, this was like game over. If you thought the season was over a week ago when we barely beat the worst team in the league, you barely beat an awful Carolina team, you couldn't freaking beat Dallas, you just, you just like let that one go it was so ridiculous. He got hammered by Atlanta. No, this was like absolutely the nail in the coffin with epic proportions, of epic proportions in this one. Six and seven. Oh, we're not mathematically out of it. Yeah, we're out of it. Just sit down and be quiet, right? Pretty much. Pretty much. It's just a rumor. We get to play the Chicago Bears the next week at home. Everything will be okay. We beat the Bears last time. We, we, we beat them last time. Oh, and Mitchell Trubisky's the quarterback? Oh, pfft. Mitchell Trubisky. Heck, do you remember what Nick Foles did to the Vikings just two years ago? And look what we did to him. We beat the crap out of him. He he, he was probably crippled after that game. Oh, shoot. Mr. Trubisky was actually adequate in the game. He was actually adequate. And David Montgomery <laughs> couldn't be stopped the entire day. Oh, yeah. He couldn't be stopped the entire day. Dalvin Cook continues to get a century mark. 132 yards. Run the ball. Just run the ball, uh, uh, Mike Zimmer. Run the ball. Run the ball, Mr. Kubiak, Gary Kubiak. Now that I'm going to get those confused, Clint and Gary, but I would hope Clint is, uh, yeah, he's a little bit younger, just a little bit. Justin Jefferson, 104 yards in the air, but that was about it. Chicago just tore up this Vikings team, uh, 146 yards rushing for David Montgomery. They must really like, uh, these two teams must admire each other's game because it was very similar in a lot of ways. Two quarterbacks that are, you know, mistake prone. Kirk Cousins has a little bit more 
going for him. Obviously, a bigger arm, a bigger arm, and he's he's much more accomplished than Mitchell Trubisky at this point. Trubisky's got the mobility though, and that ended up being a factor at times. Thirty-four yards on the ground, but um, this was just one of those days where you figured this is poop. This is poop. Why are we wasting our time watching this? Oh, Dan Bailey made all his kicks though, so. Unfortunately, Cairo, Cairo Santos made all of his, too. He had 15 points in the game to Cairo Santos. So, well, because the Vikings defense couldn't do anything against these guys. They ran the ball, and they ran the ball, and they ran the ball, and they'd get the first downs they needed to get, and the Vikings didn't really hang in with them enough. We just ended up blowing it, unfortunately. And then you get the Saints game. It went from losing your eighth game of the year completely like being done to being absolutely, literally crapped on. Absolutely dumped on. Humiliated. Mocked. Embarrassed. Oh, and by the way, this was Christmas Day, wasn't it? This was Christmas freaking day. Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, Minnesota. You know, you're, you're not going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, just deal with it, okay? Just deal with it. Yeah, just deal with it, Minnesota. You're not going to make the playoffs, but at least you're on, you're at least you're on Christmas Day. It's something to watch and all that and Oh, by the way, Alvin Kamara ran for six touchdowns in the game. Yeah. I mean, we're talking going back into the 1920s. 1920s type of statistics here. First first running back to do it since the 1920s to run for six touchdowns. And first quarterback since the 1950s to have six total touchdowns in the game. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, think about all the players that have come and gone since then, that have passed away of old age since then. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drew Brees looked like crap, but he still wound up with 311 yards. He looked like garbage. He was awful, and he still wound up with 311 yards. <laughs> oh, but Kirk Cousins threw for three touchdowns. <laughs> Empty stats. It doesn't matter. You gave up six flipping touchdowns in the game, and the guy was mocking you, and, and mocking you, and mocking you, and I didn't like it. Believe me, I didn't like it. I would have been tempted to go up there and punch his jaw right through his tongue. I you know, just just crush his tongue, you know. <laughs> but uh, it is what it is, you know. It is what it is. Event, you know. Sometimes when your defense is that bad, and their offense was clicking that well, it's embarrassing. Oh, and by the way, we actually gave up seven rushing touchdowns total because Taysom Hill ran one in also, just to add insult to injury. Disgusting. Fifty-six, thirty-three. That's all. Fifty-two, thirty-three. Pardon me. I got that big number floating around in my head. We beat Detroit, by the way. Isn't that great? So we're, we're not the last place team. Daryl Bevel, congratulations on being the coach of the Detroit Lions for a minute or two. For just a couple minutes. And Matthew Stafford looks so much better. This will be the last game Stafford would play against the Vikings as the Detroit Lion, as he's on his way to Los Angeles. And now Mr. Jared Goff will be quarterback of the Lions next year. I can tell they are swimming with excitement. Adrian Peterson, 63 yards on the ground and only nine, and only seven carries. Good for him. Alexander Madison was playing, and of course, wise to just leave uh, Delvin Cook out. What the hell? He's banged up, this and that. Alexander Madison ran for 95. I'm happy for him. Good, solid performance. Kirk Cousins, three touchdowns, 400 yards. Justin Jefferson, 130, uh, 133, and he broke records. The most uh, receiving yards by a wide receiver in Vikings history, uh, by a rookie wide receiver in Minnesota Vikings history beating even the 1998's Randy Moss. But Moss would definitely have more touchdowns. No question about that. But 1,400 yards for J.J. What an amazing rookie season. He's not as exciting as Moss, but he's he's pretty close. He's pretty close, and 
I got to think as the years go by, he, we're going to see double-digit touchdowns. We're going to see 12, 15 touchdowns for Justin Jefferson. Very exciting. So now we'll wrap things up with our awards of the season, if humanly possible. I also would like to dig up, uh, on, before I get too excited to jump into this, I would like to read yours right here and right now first, and then I'll do mine. Or I'll, we'll kind of do them back and forth. We'll kind of sync them. So we're going to open up with the biggest surprise, if humanly possible. I had it up, and then I didn't have it up. Of course, uh, Carson Wentz was traded to the Colts. We'll talk about that later. Um, man, not a whole lot of comments. Bummer. But there's something. There's something. So, what the heck? Should be bigger. Yeah, it doesn't get bigger. Okay, so Leland's uh, biggest surprise of the season has to be Jefferson. He was stunning for almost all of his games. Mark Carlson. Leland's from Iowa. Mark Carlson's from Iowa. Thank you, both of you. Well, Leland and Mark. Mark opens up with the biggest disappointment. We'll come back to that. Actually, I'm just going to read the whole darn thing. So Leland says, Minnesota Vikings season MVP, Cook. He was pretty solid most of the season. Biggest disappointment, all the losses. And the defense was terrible. Your biggest surprise of the season has to be Jefferson. He was stunning for almost all of his games. Yep, yep, yep. It was frustrating how he didn't get in super early, but he got in eventually, just like Stefan Diggs years ago. Took him a few games to get put in the lineup, but once he did, it was bombs away. Ladies and gentlemen, and then Flip Saunders died. Uh, The news broke during halftime. It was in Detroit. Vikings were in Detroit. Stefan Diggs had that big Brego game, and then Flip Saunders died. October 25th, 2015. Yes, I remember the day. Yes, I remember the day. Former Timberwolves coach Flip and president of basketball Flip Saunders passed away at halftime. Beautiful, calm, quiet October afternoon. Oh, and I, you know, I just froze in my chair on that day. Okay, let's go back to Mark Carlson. Biggest disappointment was the entire defense. <laughs> wow. And strategy. Yeah, I mean, how can I really complain about that? The Vikings D seemed po- seemed to pose little or no threat this year. That is a big deal to me. I hate teams walking all over us, and that is literally what happened, Mark. You nailed it there. Especially just like getting burned by an efficient passing attack, and on top of that, being burned deep. I expected better. Now, who couldn't be more excited about the development of a rookie wide receiver? And I didn't expect that. So that's, again, that's his biggest surprise. Yep, Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson was my biggest surprise. And I would give Delvin Cook the MVP because he has moves. He has he has vision and legs and strength. He is fearless when he runs through. All of that done at a very high speed. He wears defenses play after play. Now a shout out to all the new perp, uh, the new people who joined Purple Mafia this year. Let's hear from all of you, Skull brothers and sisters. I love saying that. Mark from Iowa. Yep, and that was uh, that's a line from uh, Dave Mad Martin from Northern Scotland. Hope I can hear from him by the time I get to fan interaction, of course, because I'm piecing this show together. That's a good way to do a bigger show like this. And I saw a lot of people unfollow the Purple Mafia Twitter this year. I don't know if it's because I was negative or because people were frustrated with the team or it was like kind of fake accounts from like long, long ago that I joined. I don't know, but it's sad and frustrating. Unfortunately, that's the interaction for that section right now. I'm going to have the... uh, I'm going to save Gerald String's uh, call for the third segment. He'll lead off the third segment. Maybe there'll be another one coming up uh, by that time as well. So we'll get to my awards right here for the Minnesota Vikings. The biggest surprise? Well, we're going to go from the bottom up. 
The fourth runner-up, DJ Wanham. What a nice season. He had three sacks, and he had some big moments. He had some titles for a loss. Looks like he might be something, one of those mid-round picks again that's been good. Uh, most of the leaders for the Minnesota Vikings, particularly at the defensive end position, the uh, you know you had Everson Griffin, you had, um, of course you have uh, Daniel Hunter, the guys that wound up being like stars for this team, were mid-round picks. First-round picks were like Erasmus James, Demetrius Underwood, they were all busts and horrible disappointments. It's just kind of funny how that works. And DJ Wanham, yet another possible addition to this club. We'll see. He might be more of a situational guy, uh, a rotation uh, rotation lineman. We'll see. Uh, surprise number two was Riley Reef. He really showed up. Uh, I'm sure he was frustrated with the financial situation. The Minnesota Vikings basically, uh, you know, approaching him to renegotiate his contract at the last second. And that couldn't have sat well. He was frustrated. He was like, well, I guess I'm done here. I'm out of here. And then he looked around. His agent looked around. And they're like, there's really, you know, he might as well just stay where you're at right now. And the Vikings gave him a hundred, uh, gave him a million dollars as a uh, kind of a reward for playing so well and for being a part of things and for the restructure and all that. They gave him a signing bonus of a million at the end of the year, just kind of as a gift. And hopefully that's a, you know, some kind of a, Kind of a, an olive branch, hopefully, to bring Riley Reef back for at least some type of an extension to keep him around because Riley Reef's not going to be easy to replace. When he, when he had foot injuries and he was playing through it, he really struggled in 2018. He was great most of 2017, but later in the year he dropped off. 19, he was okay. Uh, he's one of those guys you take for granted. Uh, if Riley Reef gets injured, we're dead pretty much at this point. Ezra Cleveland was a nice little surprise as well is a rookie, and it seemed like, my God, they will not put him in. They won't even give him a chance. It was kind of scary. But then when they did put him in at right guard rather than left guard, or rather that right tackle or left tackle, he ended up doing really well. He ended up doing pretty good. He was the, you could argue he was the second best lineman on the Vikings this year. Uh, second or third best, obviously. Riley Reef, Ezra Cleveland, and Brian O'Neill, you really didn't have a whole lot to complain about, generally speaking. Second biggest surprise was rookie Cameron Dantzler. What a nice third round uh, cornerback choice for the Minnesota Vikings, Mike Zimmer, and of course uh, Rick Spielman, and other scouts throughout the team. Hell of a pick. He ended up being the best cornerback on the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people look at him as better than Jeff Gladney. He was a first-round pick, but he had a hell of a season. Uh, hopes are very high. Hopefully Cameron, Cam Dantzler, can continue to develop and become a better and better cornerback in the years to come. Uh, we might have something here with Dantzler and Gladney. We truly might. Biggest surprise overall, though, the the winner is Justin Jefferson. I probably should have had it down to those two, like I like they do in those Miss America pageants. But I think you kind of knew who it was going to be. Justin Jefferson winds up bringing home the biggest surprise of the year. He, you knew he was going to be good. At least he had a pretty good chance. Of course, how many first round picks at the wide receiver position have been colossal buster Minnesota over the years? But this one ended up working out. One that kind of slipped to you just like Randy Moss did all those years ago when I was working on that big old huge, huge lawn cleanup back in 1998, the spring of 98 April, spring cleanup back when me and my brother had the old tiny little blowers and we used rakes using rakes rather than blowers and and vacuums and stuff, you know lawnmower vacuums, yeah those were the old days, it was hard, it was slow I was listening on the radio the whole time and Randy Moss slipped to Minnesota they went to commercial break. Can you believe that? They went to commercial break. And they come back and they say, the Minnesota Vikings have selected Randy Moss. And I was like, wow, they did take him. That receiver that kept slipping that was supposed to go really high. And then, because I didn't know that much. You know, 
I didn't know that much, and I never was a huge college football fan. I didn't know really how good he was going to be. And who truly 100% knew how great Randy Moss was going to be? Well, good on Dennis Green and the Minnesota Vikings at the time. And Justin Jefferson has been an absolute revelation for the Minnesota Vikings at the wide receiver position. You lose Stephon Diggs, you know, he's a huge loss. He's absolutely spectacular. But then you get Justin Jefferson. And hell yeah. You know, a guy who's pretty similar in a lot of ways. He is pretty similar. A very confident, very solid player. Who's just going to get better and better. And he got to 1,000 yards a lot earlier than, uh, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Right? <laughs> Who had a spectacular season, Stephon Diggs. Took him forever to get to 1,000 yards because he couldn't stay healthy. Biggest disappointment, of course, there's a lot of them. You could talk about the defensive tackles. Jaleel Johnson, just non-factor. He's a seventh runner-up. Non-factor whatsoever the whole time. Absolutely frustrating. And I'm going to have him share it with Shamar Stephan. Just They were just completely non-factors. Quarterbacks didn't have to worry about any type of three technique or pass rush, and running backs just ran right through them. Uh, sixth runner, uh, sixth runner up because those guys tied for seventh, I guess. Is Drew Samia? You know, you thought he was going to be something. You thought maybe he could be a decent guard for the Minnesota Vikings, a guard of the future. There was a reason why he never got put in all of last season, and we put him in. He's this enormous guy. You think, okay, here we go. He doesn't do squat. He was terrible. He was a turnstile, and he, you know, he looked embarrassed. He looked sad. And, didn't know what to do, lack of confidence, and Drew Samia was a massive disappointment, and it's really sad. Anthony Barr, the fifth uh, the fifth uh, runner-up for biggest disappointment is Anthony Barr, the injury, generally speaking, and, you know, just a big loss for the Vikings, a major, major thing. A guy who was such a factor last year at defensive end, you thought, here we go, here we go, he's going to have a chance now to be a starting defensive end. Let's see what he can do, of course, because we're going to need his help. You had Yannick Ngakwe, who was so nice, and you end up trading him away right away, and he does nothing in Baltimore. It's kind of funny how that worked out. You end up screwing up that. I probably should have put this at the top of the list, but I didn't. Yannick Ngakwe had five sacks, and he wound up leading the Vikings with five sacks in five games. Isn't that something? He wound up leading the Vikings with five sacks in the five games he played for the whole freaking year. Iafetti, Odenigbo, only three sacks. He is the... He is the... <laughs> He's the fourth runner-up. He's just so disappointing. Absolutely no resistance whatsoever. He just saw nothing from him all year. Okay, he got three sacks. Yay. But he's just one of those guys who, when put into a starting role, is just just nothing to be excited about whatsoever. He just can't do it. Doesn't have the uh, doesn't have the overall wherewithal to be that kind of a player. Third runner-up, Mike Hughes. Just he's a bust. He can't stay healthy, and even when he was healthy in years past, particularly in 2018, he was freaking disappointing. Uh, 19, pardon me, and 18, frankly. He was freaking disappointing. You know, he can't make the stops. Uh, the, the receiver always catches the ball when Hughes is there. He just cannot knock the ball away. Can't make the big stops. You know, and we were excited. Oh, he'll get some interceptions, though, and he didn't really do that either. Massive disappointment. Holton Hill will wind up being the... Uh, the second runner-up, he was so effing disappointing. He was frustrating as hell. Um, oftentimes you'd see receivers catch the ball and holding heels a good five or six yards behind the guy. He looked like uh, he looked like Cedric Griffin out there. He looked terrible. He looked like Cedric Griffin after the ACL, where he was just getting absolutely annihilated on a weekly basis. Holden Hill should never suit up for the Vikings again. He can't play, and he couldn't stay out of trouble either when he, when he was halfway decent a couple of years ago. Wound up getting an eight-game suspension. Think about that. We're down to the last two candidates, Dan Bailey and Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris and Dan Bailey. The Who will be the biggest disappointment of the year? Well, the first runner-up will be Dan Bailey. 
Uh, could not make a kick in the second half of the year. Missed a lot of kicks that were, you know, that cost, cost us games. Not sure if he's going to be brought back or not. Not sure anybody really cares at this point. Well, we care if we get a good kicker, a decent kicker. You want to believe Dan Bailey can do it? I just don't understand what happened to him. It was the darndest, strangest thing. Was he hurt and he didn't tell anybody or what? Who knows? But he looked absolutely pathetic. Then he was better. Then he was bad again. And then he was solid at the end of the year. But generally speaking, massive disappointment was Dan Bailey. But that leaves you with the number one disappointment of the year. That would be Anthony frickin' Harris, who went from a guy who was an MVP candidate a year ago to a guy that was just awful all season. He got burned. He got toasted. He was out of position. He was uh, left with frustrations. Uh, he was leaving other players frustrated around him. He was a massive disappointment. $12 million uh, franchise tag for him. He's not going to get it again. Don't think he's going to be back with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, possibility the Vikings will draft a safety or sign a significant free agent in the offseason to replace Anthony Harris. He's, if he comes back, it'll be at a much, much, much cheaper price. He has no right to ask for $12 million again, that's for sure. Uh, way, to, way to live up to the, your contract, Anthony Harris, and way to uh, earn your next one. Because you didn't, unfortunately, Anthony. Biggest disappointment of the season. And now, the feature presentation <laughs> of the first segment. The most valuable player for 2020. The seventh runner-up. Well, let's just name out the names really quick in random order. Eric Kendricks, Brian O'Neill, Delvin Cook, Jay, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, Harrison Smith, Jeff Gladney. Okay, I try to randomize as best I can. Jeff Gladney's on the list, believe it or not. But uh, I think there's one guy that needs to be ahead of him. I don't know what the heck I just did. <laughs> there's one guy that's got to be ahead of him. <laughs> I'll put him right there. Okay, I apologize for this. Last second, all of a sudden, surprise. You can already guess who it is. Okay, so your eighth runner-up is going to be Jeff Gladney. Solid, solid rookie season. Started out kind of slow, and he got better and better as the year progressed. But he is your eighth runner-up. Definitely, there's definitely a lot of reason to be hopeful with Jeff Gladney. He's 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 strong. He's steady. He's solid. There's something there. Uh, there's absolutely something there. He can he can uh, knock the ball away. There's he's definitely going to be a full-time starting cornerback in this league, and to being a nice draft pick. He was probably still recovering the first half or so of the year from that injury that just kept dragging and dragging. Ankle injuries take a long time, and of course, and then this was a meniscus actually. Uh, meniscus just take forever. Uh, even though it's healed, so to speak, it's still sore. It still takes time. And sometimes it can drag a, a year or so. But Jeff Gladney kept getting better and better as the year progressed. Certainly not a star. He certainly got beat, this and that. But even Danzler got beat as well. Uh, seventh runner-up is going to be Harrison Smith. He had a good year. He definitely deserves to be in the MVP conversation, but certainly not at or near the top. The Vikings' defense was very disappointing most of the year, but Harrison Smith is one of the greatest. You know, he had five interceptions on the season. He was a game-changer at times, and at times he was he was just okay, but generally speaking, he absolutely deserves to be in the MVP conversation. I probably could have put him higher, but at right this time, I'm not going to. Cam Dantzler was such a revelation. He's the sixth runner-up. Very, very impressive, very intriguing, and very hopeful for Minnesota Vikings going forward at the cornerback position. Dantzler and Gladney have a chance to be pretty good quarterbacks for many, many, many years for the Minnesota Vikings, and makes you feel confident going forward, at least with those two guys. Harrison Smith can hopefully hang around and continue to uh, work with these guys. Obviously, Harrison Smith was frustrated at times at Dantzler's uh, mental errors, uh, you know, where it led to a camera, a cam, stay with your effing man, basically. 
And uh, so there were moments like that where it made Harrison Smith actually look worse than he was, where Smith was trying to guard two people. And believe me, in the end, you know, in playing basketball many years ago with my friends, occasionally I was left in that situation, and I would get criticized when I was the one guarding two people. It's not fun, actually, when one guy is just standing in one place and not guarding his man. So I can understand Harrison Smith's frustration. Dantzler will be the sixth runner-up. Fifth runner-up, Eric Wilson. What an awesome season for Eric Wilson. He probably should have been in the surprise conversation as well. But it is what it is. He probably should be. You could kind of say he's a de facto member of it in a lot of ways, but not the guy. It's Josh Jefferson. Eric Wilson played absolutely fantastic in uh, Anthony Barstead. He wasn't perfect. He certainly has flaws in his game. Certain things that Anthony Barr does good, Eric Wilson doesn't do well. Um, but generally speaking, he was one of the best linebackers on the team most of the season, and at times he was the best linebacker, especially when Eric Hendricks was out. That Kendricks was out. That did not help the Vikings cause at all during the course of the season. Eric Hendricks' injury was a huge frustration for many Minnesota Viking fans throughout the season. Nice, uh, nice job. He had three interceptions, if I remember correctly. I thought he did, and uh, yeah, this is all messed up. <laughs> He did. Yep, Eric Wilson did have three interceptions, as did, as did Eric Kendricks. He had one spectacular one. Jeff Gladney? No, Dantzler had two interceptions. Gladney had zero, but he had multiple pass deflections. Gladney had three, Dantzler four. Dantzler was a little better. He was a little better. He was great. Gladney had more tackles, but that's because they were more willing to throw the ball in his direction. That's how good Dantzler got during the course of the season. Great third-round pick. Fourth runner-up for the Minnesota Vikings is right tackle Brian O'Neill. What a great job once again. Is he a great player? No. Is he good? Yes. Is he very good? Yes. Uh, he gave up his first sack ever, actually, as a Minnesota Viking, which is kind of crazy. He had a couple games where he just, you know, he wasn't as sharp for some reason. It was kind of weird. Um, but generally speaking, though, he is a stalwart. He stays healthy. And thank God for Brian O'Neill. What a nice little reach for the Minnesota Vikings. Because uh, people thought he could have fallen sooner, and the Vikings were reaching, desperate for a, uh, a tackle of some sort, and he ended up being a really nice pick by uh, Rick Spielman. Rick Spielman, good job, general manager, Minnesota Vikings, on that pick. Ryan O'Neill, uh, really nice third season for Minnesota. Is he a superstar? No, but he's pretty damn good at the end of the day. He's pretty damn good, and I appreciate what Brian O'Neill brings. He's the best lineman on the Vikings right now. The best linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings is Eric Kendricks, and he will still get the third runner-up, despite the fact that he uh, that he got injured and only played in 11 games. But in the time he was out there, just his value was so evident. You could argue he was the most valuable player on the Vikings in some of those games. That's how good he truly was. Uh, Eric Hendricks, uh, massive interception, showing great, uh, uh, showing great focus, great athleticism to make some great plays in helping the Vikings win games and stay in games. He's the best linebacker on the Vikings, and I want him here the rest of his career, if humanly possible. I couldn't care less about Anthony Barr compared to Eric Kendricks. If it's a choice between those two, Eric Kendricks and Daylight Second. We're down to the final three, and they're all on offense. Can you believe it? So Eric Kendricks, the most valuable player on the defense. The remaining guys are Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, and Delvin Cook. Drum roll. Your second runner-up for the 2020 Minnesota Vikings is, Minnesota Vikings MVP anyway, is Kirk Cousins. That's your second runner-up. Obviously, good, strong season. You could argue his best season statistically with Minnesota. He had a strong year as well uh, in 2019. Very strong season, but 35 touchdowns, only 13 interceptions. 
almost 4,300 yards, good strong completion percentage of 68. On paper, he's, he's really good, obviously, and he made less mistakes down the stretch. It's just a crying shame that, you know, they're just, you know, the defense wasn't good most of the year. Uh, a lot of people were happy with Kirk Cousins, generally speaking. Do I think he can lead the Vikings to a Super Bowl? No. No. Uh, if he doesn't have perfect protection, perfect weapons around him, perfect everything, the defense is like the best defense ever, you know, uh, this and that. Uh, Kirk Cousins probably won't bring you a Super Bowl. He'll find a way to uh, fall apart in the big games, but he certainly puts up nice numbers, and he was one of the most valuable players for the Vikings during the course of the season in our seven wins, our seven and nine season. 35 and 13, Kirk Cousins, 35 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Protected the ball significantly better. He did lose the ball five times on the fumble and then 13 interceptions, so 18 total turnovers. Not great numbers, but 35 touchdowns, very, very, very impressive, very solid season. And he stayed healthy all year once again. Should I knock on wood or not? I guess I will. Down to the final choice. The final choices are Justin Jefferson and Delvin Cook. Who is the most valuable player? Drum roll, please. And the first runner-up for the Minnesota Vikings 2020 season is Justin Jefferson. Obviously, great, great season. But, but unfortunately for him, there's one guy who is just a little bit more important, of course, too. <laughs> and, of course, there's no real introduction necessary for either one of these guys. Justin Jefferson, 1,400 yards. Delvin Cook, absolutely insane. Multiple 200-yard games. 1,557 yards. My only complaint is they missed two games, but he had 16 touchdowns during the course of the season. He did fumble the ball. Uh, he did lose the ball three times. It is what it is. It, nobody's perfect, and of course, Justin Jefferson isn't perfect, but what an absolutely spectacular season for both of those guys. Anybody picking either one is okay. I thought Delvin, Delvin Cook actually had more. I mean, I thought he was on his way to getting to 2,000. But at the end of the day, he is the most valuable player in the Minnesota Vikings at this moment, and he will get the award for the 2020 season. Delvin Cook, congratulations. Most valuable player for the 2020 Minnesota Vikings. Congratulations. I believe that's back-to-back, -back, if I remember back to last year. I don't know why I'm blanking on that, but I'm pretty sure he got it last year as well. Um, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing this is his last this is going to be his last most valuable player for the Vikings. But you never know. Maybe next year you get 2,000 yards. We'll see what happens with Clint Kubiak, if the offense is any different at all, or just somebody else emerges so spectacularly that Delvin Cook ends up being the runner-up or the second runner-up going to the next season. But uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, numbers. Really appreciate what those guys brought to us. They give us hope going forward. Hard to believe that Cook is already going into what is going to be his fifth year Justin Jefferson, just his second year. And, of course, again, Gladney and Dantzler. At least there's hope for the future, but uh, there's a long way to go going forward. What are you going to do with Anthony Barr? Uh, Kyle Rudolph is as good as gone. He's not going to ne negotiate anything. He's got to be gone for sure. Likely, is there a possibility you're going to cut Anthony Barr? Unfortunately, there's going to be a significant cap hit regardless. Kirk Cousins, if you don't trade him, you could have a cap hit of $45 million. All kinds of scenarios popping up. Important scenarios. Who are you going to take in the draft? Who's going to be there in the draft? Uh, is an interesting, spectacular trade uh, trade possibility going to emerge? All these questions. Are they going to be answered in the next segment? Maybe not answered, but they sure as heck will be discussed. Because <laughs> we can't answer anything. We can't answer anything that we don't know 100,000%, so to speak. But we'll do our best to give you the scenarios and the conversation about this and what the Vikings could and should do moving forward. 
in the free agency and the draft a bit, the strategy more or less than the actual player analysis, as that's going to come up sometime in April with the draft preview. And free agency uh, review will take place sometime in March, should the Vikings be able to make a somewhat significant signing, if humanly possible, or of course, uh, cuts along the way. That'll be a major part of the conversation as well. Moving forward in segment number two. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. We're going to look at 2021 with free agency and the draft, kind of like mock drafts, which direction the Minnesota Vikings should go. And, of course, the possibilities of trading for a quarterback, which seem to be dwindling a bit, but I'll bring it up as, uh, anyway because the two quarterbacks are still with their original teams, both of them very unhappy, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. We'll start with Deshaun Watson. I remember, like, I was talking about how, like, oh, he got traded to the Bears. What the heck? How come I didn't hear about that? And, of course, that was just uh, fake news and all that, apparently. That's a term we like to use in this world. Uh, <laughs> um, and then talks about some people would like, yeah, I'd trade four first-round picks for him. Are you sure about that, though? I mean, I think that would be classic Vikings. With our luck, those picks would be would go on to be like, <laughs> like a Russell Wilson, an Emmett Smith, a Joe Johnson, or a Nate Newton, that type of thing. At least one or two of them. And, you know... We would still have all the other same issues looming, all of them, and then we'd have no first-round picks for years to fill up those positions to possibly do that. If you want to start, if you want to start quarterback, draft the right guy. That's kind of, kind of my approach. It's kind of my mindset when it comes to all of this. Trading for Deshaun Watson, I think, is just going to be too expensive, probably for Russell Wilson as well. So it sounds like, as of like the you know what's going on, heck, even between now and segment number three, depending on. As soon as I get that uh, recorded and everything, it'll be led off by uh, Gerald String out of Nebraska. Thank you so much for the for the uh, audio submission. Love it so much. Um, uh, there's talking about Russell Wilson possibly going to the Chicago Bears. Uh, Houston has not been in a huge rush to trade Deshaun Watson, but he's not been uh, really he he's not been uh, relenting on his uh, take of like I'm I I don't want to be back here. His his position of not wanting to return to the Houston. Texans, I guess they call them, right? I wish it was the Houston Oilers, but the Texans. Uh, Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not going to miss Russell Wilson on the Seahawks too much. I've had a big frustration with that over the years. He's undefeated against the Vikings also, just like Tom Brady, but you know, I'm still a Brady fan. <laughs> Russell Wilson, is he past his prime? Uh, the bad attitude in Seattle hasn't been good. Not taking responsibility for things. And this is guys in Seattle that are very well-respected parts of the media. And they're Irritated. They're very irritated with uh, Russell Wilson's position right now regarding the Seattle Seahawks and all that. Uh, Pete Carroll also just, you know, he's, he's not the best either. He's made some dumb decisions over the years. Of course, the worst of all was the goal line uh, play in the Super Bowl uh, after the 2014 season. I forget the number of what Super Bowl it was. In my mind, it's just like, who cares? It was the Super Bowl after the 2014 season. Whichever Super Bowl number it was. Seattle versus New England. It was the only Super Bowl that had those two teams in it, and we all know what happened. Okay, so, yep, he was a hell of a player, and he still is a hell of a player when he's on. Uh, he's still super mobile. 
I would not give up more than two first-rounders uh, first because that would be so Vikings yet again, mortgaging the future on someone who's too expensive. Too expensive, and who knows what's going to happen. I mean, would it work out? Maybe. But why not be like Houston and Seattle where they actually drafted the guy? Uh, Russell Wilson, it cost a second-round pick to get Russell Wilson for the uh, the uh, <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. It cost one first-round pick for the Houston Texans to get Deshaun Watson. Why, why can't we be the team that actually drafts the right quarterback? Wouldn't that be nice that actually drafts a potentially correct quarterback? Is it the next Brady, you know, six-round pick? That's extremely lucky. That's like winning the lottery. I mean, literally. That's literally like winning at least the hot lotto, if not the Powerball or Mega Millions or whatever the hell they call that junk. I haven't invested a penny in it in uh, how many years? Uh, 12 years now. 12. It's been 12 years since I've invested a penny in it. Ever since I left the uh, service job, so to speak, I haven't uh, invested a penny in it since because I was around it way too much and I hated it. I hated it. <clears throat> so <laughs> I hated selling that junk. Um, and, yeah, I'm embarrassed to even say I ever did, actually. It's just a part-time job, but, you know, to keep me, keep me off the ground, so to speak. But uh, keeping your head above water, as the song says. But I don't know. It's just too much. Investing too much regardless of how important the position is, doesn't necessarily bring you a Super Bowl because you've still got the other glaring weaknesses. The defense will still suck. You can't fill it up. You, you can't just uh, mathematically fill the defense magically like everybody's going to work out. Occasionally, I mean, yes. Have we done a good job with this uh, regime, drafting cornerbacks and defensive linemen with this regime in, in the mid to later rounds? Yeah, generally. Not always, though. Uh, offensive line, we've, we've hit a couple and not hit on many others. Uh, back in the day, in the Dennis Green and uh, Mike Tice era, when we drafted a quarterback, anything corner, corner, CB, cornerback, <laughs> after the first round, it was always a bust. Every Mickey frickin' gosh darn swear word, curse, curse, bleepity bleeping time, it was always a bust. Always a bust. Ramos McDonald, uh, you know, Eric Kelly. Uh, 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 well, you know, Cedric Griffin actually was decent. You know, and, you know, I mean, this is like Dennis Green all the way up to Brad Schroeder. Cedric Griffin was kind of a lucky one. That was good until he had the ACL, then that was it. Uh, what was that other guy's name? Uh, Allison? He was extremely disappointing. Like, he never amounted to Jack Bleep. It was like once in a blue moon, we'd maybe get kind of lucky with somebody. But it was almost uh, Brian Brian Williams was extremely an extremely fortunate pick. He was awesome. Awesome. And then we lost him as a free agent. Um, it's like every now and then we'd, we'd get lucky. Kind of like the Vikings with offensive line now, basically, is what the case is. Back in the day, we were pretty good at drafting offensive linemen in the Dennis Green and Mike Tice era. We were pretty good at drafting O-line, and we sucked at drafting cornerbacks. Now it's like we're pretty good at drafting cornerbacks, and we suck at drafting O-linemen, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, generally defensive players, I think Mike, uh, Mike Zimmer, not Mike Tice, Mike Zimmer's been pretty damn good generally speaking, but still, it'd still be nice to have actual first-rounders as well. Uh, we all know how first-rounders can go. You know, Mike Hughes has not been requisite of a first-round pick. I'm sorry, Mike Hughes is a bust, in my opinion. I'm ready to just put that right next to his name, and he can push it right off all he wants with his play. He wants to go out there and do it with his actions, so be it. Push that label right off your body. Say, get the hell out of here. I'm a Pro Bowl cornerback, or at least a superly above-average cornerback. I'm no bust. Well, go out there and do it, buddy, because until you do, I'm going to put that bus label right on your name and not feel bad about it at all, at all, at all. Okay, I don't know. I don't need the New Yorker Boston accent involved with that one. Um, in segment number three, I'm just going to throw this out there. 
there will be two Hall of Fame inductees. Two of them. Two. There's two this year. It's going to keep reducing it because I don't want to just have everybody in the Hall of Fame in like four or five years. And then I'll be like, oh, shoot. Oh, he posted once this year. I, uh, what was his name again? Yeah. So that's the reason why I'm approaching things that way. Let's get into free agency and we'll look at some mock drafts and strategy, this and that. What a nice website. Over the cap dot com over the cap dot com what a nice website so a huge shout out to them this uh this is great so obviously this is my source because i better cite my source even though this is a name that's been brought up way at the top but what a nice organized page of course you can do all the uh positions and all that and then it's got the cap uh the the current cap a- annual per uh average per year that's what that means i'm like annual per year no average per year age snap percentage how about that and it even's got the it's even got the team with the nice, pretty uh, background with the name on it, you know, the different colors, like the Sea Chickens and the Patriotas and the Cowboys and the Ray. Yeah, you get the idea. It's pretty cool. Uh, Joe Thune is a guy we've been hearing about nonstop. Uh, he had 96.8 snaps, 29 years of age. He cost 14-plus mil a year, almost $15 million a year going into this one, and he's still 29 years old. Offensive line, he's been healthy, he's been strong, he's been solid for the Patriots. But the odds of the Vikings getting him to help you out for guards, of course, that I mentioned we need some guards, as uh, <laughs> you'll be hearing from uh, <laughs> Gerald Sering. I'm not sure if he said that. I'm saving it. I'm saving what he said uh, going into his call. And But if in case he did, did I mention we need some guards? I still wish I saved that. I would have been smart if I did, but... Um, Joe Thune, 29 years of age. Mike Iopati, I've always liked him. He was drafted by San Francisco years ago now. I believe it was San Francisco, and he played on Arizona. I think I think he played on both of those clubs. He was at the Seattle Seahawks last year. Seattle's offensive line, they have multiple free agents available, but their offensive line wasn't real good last year. <laughs> it really wasn't. Um, uh, Joe Dooney played left guard. We could bring him in to be, well, yeah, and that's where he would play because, I mean, what am I talking about? You're a right guard, you're potentially fine because you have Mr. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, and the hope is that the Minnesota Vikings will be able to work things out with Riley Reef. The cap situation is really interesting. It's uh, extremely interesting, to say the least. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, it's an interesting situation. Um, obviously, guys have to go. Kyle Rudolph was let go, and that's just how it's going to go. I mean, Kyle Rudolph was let go. <sighs> Sometimes, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, was he worth every penny? No. Yes, no, maybe so. Uh, he was frustrated, of course, with his lack of inclusion in the offense. But he's too big of a cap hit. And his position, as valuable as it is, not worthy of taking up as much space as it did. I'm sure there's some resentment towards uh, a, a guy by the name of Kirk Cousins because, well, $31 million cap hit's going to do that to you. It's, it's going to do that to you when you're already up there. Uh, Riley Reeves cap hit, 17.4. 17.4, so he might have to do some kind of restructure. Anthony Barr, 15 mil uh, plus going forward. Talk about him getting cut. Daniil Hunter, 17.75 moving forward. 17 million, of course, is the 17. Vikings did reacquire... Uh, well, we'll get back to him in a second, but um, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. Um, boy, what a situation. What a situation with the salary cap, though. You're not going to cut Adam Thielen. That's $13 million. Eric Kendricks, there's no way you'd cut him. Harrison Smith, $10 million. There's talk about him getting restructured as well. Moving forward. 
what is going to happen, generally speaking? I wish this would show everything. It's kind of annoying, actually. Uh, this is on uh, sport, uh, SpotTrack.com. Ah, uh, huh, huh, huh. Yeah, well, it's our current year, of course. That's what's important, and the cap hit and all that. You're gonna, yeah, you're pretty much stuck with Cousins because it's all guaranteed, and there's a potential dead cap of forty-one million dollars moving forward. Forty-one million dollars moving forward, potential dead cap from Kirk Cousins. I hope, uh, you, uh, hopefully, the Vikings are able to trade him away before that hits and we're screwed in a big way. Uh, that's of course, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a dangerous situation. To the dead cap, if you cut somebody, that's the other thing. So you'd be potentially saving a ton if you were to cut uh, Riley Reef, but he's so valuable, and you're not going to just get a left tackle at, at Lunds and Byerly's down the street. You know, I mean, it's just a legitimate starting left tackle is not easy to do. Riley Reef isn't a superstar, but he's very valuable. That's the thing. Uh, you cut Anthony Barr, you save about $8 million. See, that's what the dead cap is. It's funny, you cut Kirk, and it's actually $10 million more. <laughs> isn't that messed up? So you cut uh, Daniil Hunter. If we were to cut Daniil Hunter... Vikings would uh, have a $12 million cap hit, so you'd save about 5, you know, 5.7 mil if you cut him. I don't think we're going to cut him. Possibly trade. That could be a possibility that we trade him, depending on who it's going to, depending on the story. Um, it's funny, though. You cut you cut Kirk, and the dead cap is $41 million. That's if the Vikings cut him, obviously. That's why there's no way in flying, you know what, we're going to cut him. He'd still get his money no matter what, and it'd be $10 million higher. So, it's just a funny thing to think about. Delvin Cook, similar situation there. Making 5.1 this uh, this year. Uh, the extension is going to kick in soon. Dead cap would be 12.4. Isn't that funny? But yeah, who would cut Delvin Cook at this point uh, with a cap hit of only 5.1? I'm, I'm just saying how funny that would be. Um, so you're potentially saving mm, about a little over $8 million. 8.2 mil with, with the release of Anthony Barr. You save a ton if you cut Reef a ton, about $13 million. It's just that it's it's Riley Reef, and his position is very important, and he's very solid. He's very reliable, that kind of thing. <sighs> yep, Justin Jefferson obviously wouldn't do that. That'd be nuts. Um, it's just a very precarious situation. Me, see, all the all the quote-unquote experts and football guys and all 22 people want to tell you that Anthony Barr's value is way higher than people know. We, we just don't know. He just doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And yeah, okay. He's, he's not... I don't know. He doesn't pass rush. He misses tackles, this and that. He doesn't look that great out there to me. He looks pretty ordinary to me. Uh, Dan Barrero was kind of saying a lot of similar things this week, this past week. Um, I I just don't know what to think about the guy at this point. I'm kind of disappointed, frustrated when it comes to uh, Anthony Barr. I'd rather save the $8 million potentially going forward if it meant it helps the Minnesota Vikings to be able to sign a Joe Tooney. Obviously, you uh, moved on from Kyle Rudolph. You saved money there. I, I don't know. It, it's a tough deal. I wish they'd show how much dead cap is remaining because of Kyle Rudolph. But I know his salary was in the... Yeah, it was way up there, like $14 million. Um, Stephen Weatherly. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, very interesting situation there. Vikings did acquire, reacquire Stephen Weatherly. Shamar Stephan was very disappointing. Stephen Weatherly's returning from the Carolina Panthers um, to be a defensive end, help the Vikings with a little pass rush. He was disappointing there, and he missed time. So we'll see what happens. Pardon me, a little cup of coffee here. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But it's a precarious situation with the Caps, Dale, even with uh, the departure of Kyle Rudolph. 
That's just kind of how that goes. I'm going to hit this one. Dead cap, dead cap, dead cap. Where is he? Well, that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. Well, they're not even showing it, so that's how that goes, I guess. I think we'll just go back where we were. Kirk bleeping cousins. Yep, the cap hits. He is the king of cap hits. There's just no question about that. And what are you going to do? He's the king. So, with that said, we'll continue where I was going here with the um, Joel Thune. I mean, we'll see. Joel Thune, Mike Iapati. Obviously, he dropped off a bit. He didn't play uh, half of the half of the snaps last year. 46.8. Doesn't wasn't paid very highly. Not sure what we do with Mike Iapati. It's almost like begging for Joel Thune, or of course going into the draft when you're looking at a, a, a potential left guard moving forward. A lot of the guys there. I mean, you got Thune, and then after that, it's just. Pew, it's like you got this big mountain, and then it's just like the drop-off, like you wouldn't believe. It's like the Mar um, the Marina Trench moving forward with that one. So, I mean, it's a big, big difference. Yeah, Dakota Dozier. Did I, I hope I didn't call him Brian Dozier. I think I did, the former twin. And he played 100% of the snaps last year, and he was pretty much, in, in terms of pro football talk, the worst guard. Pretty much the worst guard in the National Football League last year, the worst left guard at the very least. So I, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. I don't know. Brandon Sheriff, Sheriff from Washington, 30, uh, 30 years of age. He played about, you know, 78.6 of snaps. He's actually even more expensive than Thune. Gabe Jackson, right guard. It's, it's you know, and obviously guys want to play in a certain position. you got to move on from Dakota Dozier. And it's pretty much Joe Thune or bust at this point, isn't it? When you, when you really look at the big picture, it's Joe Thune or bust when you're talking about left guard. Uh, for safeties, you're not going to bring back. Why is it showing these guys? Okay, for safeties, you're you're not. There's almost no chance you're going to bring back Anthony Harris unless he's looking for a pay cut at this point. And if I'm him, I'd consider that because he's not going to get the big bucks that he would have gotten. Uh, he was the second highest paid safety in the NFL last year. Well, what do you think of that? Behind Justin Simmons of the Broncos, uh, he had the franchise label, or he does now at least. Yeah, he has the franchise label now. It looks like with the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. He'd been franchised, so that leaves Anthony Harris as the most expensive guy remaining if you were to, you know, go with the current, uh, God, with the uh, average per year there, 11-4, yeah, 11-4, isn't that crazy? He's not going to get 11-4, is Anthony Harris. He was the, uh, you know, he was the bust of the year. Uh, Keanu Neal, a, a free agent, he was actually okay for Atlanta. Ricardo Allen, he's moved up a bit. Looks like uh, Keanu Neal had a lot more snaps. He's probably going to get a significant raise, though. Uh, he had a, a lot of guarantees. He's looking at more than what he got. Ricardo Allen made 6.5. Bradley McDonald. Chuckeezy Tarrett. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't play a whole lot. Last year for San Francisco. Sean Williams. Only 8% of the snaps. Mm -mm -mm. Anderson Dejo. Go get him, baby. Go get him back. <laughs> yeah, Anderson Dejo. You might be looking at the draft or just re-signing re Anthony Harris for cheaper. I mean, I, I think that might be what it is. I mean, he's a free agent. He's 29 years of age. He had a very disappointing season. If you could bring him back for 6 mil, 7 mil, I think he should take it. If you know, I think he should. Anything more than that, I think it's uh, adios bye-bye. I mean, he's not going to get that kind of money. There's no way. I mean, he might be lucky to get 5 million when you look at the other guys up there. Uh, I mean, shoot, you, you just go down a couple of safeties, you know, on the free agent list for their current uh, APY, and $5 million, he'd be the fifth highest paid guy in this free agent market, at least right now. 
currently, you know, in comparative to what they made last year. That's crazy. Uh, Anderson Day was 34 already. Wow. Wow. 34. Eric Harris is a possibility from the Raiders. The Raiders. you got to bring in somebody. How about Killebrew, huh? How about Miles Killebrew? He didn't play a single snap last year for the Detroit Lions. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's why I've never heard of him. <laughs> Killebrew. Killebrew. No relation to Harmon, I would think. But that would be kind of cool if there was. Running backs. No, we're fine. <laughs> we're fine at running back. I'm just messing around. Of course, Todd Curley. He's only 27, and he plays like he's 40. That's just weird. Fullback, no. Tight end, no. We're pretty good in a lot of those positions. Right tackle, left tackle. I don't know. We're good at right tackle. Or we're good at right tackle. Ricky Wagner. Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, major tackles available, are there? That's kind of interesting when you think about it. Uh, Russell Okung, he's, he's obviously a big guy. When you go to left tackle, Trent Williams, Russell Okung, and Andrew Villanueva from the Steelers. Those guys are all in their 30s. Jason Peters is 39 from the Eagles. Former stud linebacker there back in the linebacker. Left tackle part of it back in the day. Um, free agency. I'm not looking at a whole lot here, man. Man. A possible. The other position might be a veteran quarterback. You got Patrick Peterson. Wow, that's a that's a stud right there. But he would command some money. Uh, even at 31 years of age, he's not that old. Uh, made 61 and or 16 in guarantees last year. Pretty impressive. Richard Sherman. Ugh, the guy's an ass. Uh, well, and he had an Achilles too. So I don't know. He had an Achilles last year, didn't he? I don't know, man. Talk about damaged goods. He went from like the Legion of Boom to the Legion of Doom. And we're talking doomsday for him. Unfortunately, DJ Hayden, the Raider uh, Jaguars, would you be willing to fork over six, seven million for him? But then again, I don't know. He didn't play a whole lot last year either. Where do you go from here? Terrence Mitchell, the Browns. It's guys like that. I mean, uh, McKenzie Alexander, he's a free agent. I say bring McKenzie back if you could. Hopefully, maybe you can fix up that uh, relationship. I can't believe Jason McCordy. It's thirty-four. It seems like yesterday he was a he was he was in the draft. He's thirty-four. My God, Mackenzie Alexander's twenty-eight. What? Where have I been the last few years? He's twenty-eight. What the hell? I'm confused. I can't believe it. He's gonna be twenty-eight actually. Xavier Rhodes. That's okay. <laughs> no, not gonna go after Xavier Rhodes. I would try to go after Mackenzie Alexander. You want to try to bring in a quote-unquote veteran cornerback who's still pretty young and still got some future ahead of him. Remember, it was just a one-year deal with the Bengals. The Bengals were terrible, like they always are. I try to go after McKenzie Alexander. I'm still a huge fan. Uh, he, he would help a lot. He would help a lot, and he, he's a minimum a depth guy. And he's got a good he's he's got a good he's got a good tough attitude. I like the guy. I think he could be a nice help for the youngsters. Even though he, you know, to me, I still think of him as a young guy. He's 28. That's weird. Very strange. Um, yeah, I want McKenzie Alexander back, if that's me. That's just my personal point of view. When you want to talk about uh, cornerbacks, you had uh, Brian Poole, $5 million. Josh Norman, Bill, $6 million. I don't know. Getting up there in age, but maybe maybe you can get him down a bit. He didn't play a lot of snaps last year. Uh, Xavier Rhodes played 87%. Ronald Darby, 27 He might He's probably going to get a raise for the Washington uh, Redskins, Washington football team, pardon me, whatever they are, Washington Red Tails, as they move forward. Um, I gotta think he's gonna get a raise, yeah, he, you know, that was a really good defense, you know, and if you're a guy who plays that much in a defense like that, yeah. Patrick Peterson's still gonna command a lot, even though he's 31. He'd be an amazing signing, but I doubt it. 
Kickers. Should we look at kickers for a second? Because I got a feeling Dan Bailey's gone. That's just me. Matt Prater had an awful season last year. Awful. I don't know what happened. He's 37, though. I guess he's getting older. Steven Gutskowski, he's exciting. You know, none of these guys make that much. But they probably don't want to fork over too much. Ryan Stuckup, eh? Got the ring. Got the ring, Ryan Stuckup. Got it like that. Mike Nugent is 39. Wow. Nick Folk. Yep, these are a lot of older guys. Ugh, Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey. <laughs> That's funny. Cairo uh, Sandos. Yep. Mm, I don't know. Are we going to look at kickers? Are we going to keep uh, Dan Bailey? I don't know. Uh, he had a nasty season. I'm not sure what to say about that one. Let's not worry about kickers too much at this point. But, uh, yeah, cornerback and left guard, I got to think, are in are in play. But otherwise, if you're heading to the draft, there's definitely cornerback and left guard as well, or defensive end. According to WalterFootball.com, of course, you got guys like, you know, obviously all the big quarterbacks, the exciting quarterbacks are going to be gone. Isn't that just the greatest feeling ever? Of course, Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville. And then you got Justin Fields. Uh, this is on Walter Football. Justin Fields to the Jets. Devonta Smith, wide receiver to this guy. There's the other. Zach Wilson's the one all of us are excited about from Brigham Young University. That's the one a lot of us like. Zach Wilson, he's an exciting one. Um, and then there's always talk about uh, the other guy. We'll get to him in a little bit. J.M.R. Chase is an exciting wide receiver. So a lot of people are hoping the Vikings actually, if one of those stud receivers slips down, why not go for it? Then we have a super offense. Absolutely crazy. Um, oh, man, this thing is freezing up on me now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, nope, it didn't freeze too bad. Jalen Waddell, yeah, a lot of people are thinking there's some possibilities where the Vikings would pass at him or actually scoop him up. Jalen Phillips, defensive end Miami, is coming to the Vikings, according to WalterFootball.com, anyway. They need as much defensive help as possible. We let go of uh, Yannick Ogagwe right away after we got him. It was kind of silly. Patrick Sertan, yeah, Patrick Sertan the second. I remember Patrick Sertan the first. That's crazy. Patrick Sertan the second, cornerback, Ali Bamo. That's a possibility if you want a cornerback, that type of thing. And then there's the Alabama quarterback. People are kind of all over the place. We'll get deeper into that in a couple episodes away. That's going to be an episode, a special episode about the draft moving forward. Basically, the next episode I do will be a free agency special talking about the Vikings who we signed and maybe talking about some of the other guys around the league and keeping up with the fan interaction. Two-segment episodes I'm going to hand into those uh, off-season shows outside of this one. This one's always going to be three, but... Um, the Alabama quarterback, a lot of people have been talking about him as a possibility, but is he kind of a reach at that position? And you just don't want to reach. You want to make the right decision. You want to make the right move. I mean, Christian Ponder was a reach. We all know. We all know that. God, I don't like this website very much. It's such a pain. <laughs> I don't. It's just like, yeah, it's got too many issues. So we'll try to get off of that for now. <laughs> it's not a bad website, Walter Football, but it has a lot of issues at times. It's just too much. It's too busy. Too much crap going on. So we'll try to move on. Profootballnetwork.com. Got it like that one. Seven-round mock draft. That probably took eternity. So he's got Zach Wilson going number two. Trevor Lawrence, of course, the Jacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know Zach. Yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson's been floating around number two. And one way or another, wow, look at that. It's going to be quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Then there's a trade possibility via the Miami Dolphins. Justin Fields to the Eagles. But they just got their guy. No, that's not going to happen. They're not doing that. Trey Lance. Now you got Trey Lance going to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, wasn't that funny? That's the guy I would like, Trey Lance. But we'll talk about that later. I'll get a better opinion on the quarterbacks and other guys moving forward. 
So Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles would fly, uh, swap three and six, where Miami would take Devonta Smith to go with Tua, Tua, if they don't trade him away. Jalen Waddle to Detroit. Hmm, interesting. Well, Detroit's had some nice receivers over the years, but and they still have Jared Goff. So the Vikings trade up to take Kyle Pitts, tight end Florida, when we already have... Uh, why would we do that, though? Uh, he, he's, he's good. I mean, he's super good. All accounts say he's like a, just a superstar tight end. Irv Smith, and you have some other decent ones. Is tight end that important a position you would trade up for it? I don't know. I don't like the logic there. I don't think I'd trade up for him. Uh, and then trade, yeah, I'd pass on Jamar Chase and others. I, I don't know. I, I, the only position I'm trading up for is quarterback, I think, unless you just really have something going on about a wide receiver, pretty much. That type of thing. Or an insanely good defensive player. I, I don't know. Like, you really have an opinion. Rashad Bateman going to the Bears. Bateman to the Bears. Of course, that's the Gophers' stud wide receiver, despite the crappy season the Gophers had. Pretty much across the board, except for Gopher hockey. Gopher basketball is probably going to fire Richard Pitino. Uh, Gopher football. They're not going to fire Fleck, <laughs> but, yeah, boy, that was disappointing. Yep, Mac Jones. That's the Alabama quarterback going to the Panthers via Baltimore. They trade up with Baltimore and acquire Mac Jones. Quarterback Alabama. Is he somebody the Vikings should look at? We'll see. I'll talk about him later in the next episode. <sighs> Where do you go with the, the draft? I mean, I'm hoping for, I'm hoping somehow somebody the Vikings wind up with one of the one of the big four quarterbacks. I mean, I, I really am like, obviously Trevor Lawrence is not going to happen, but like a Fields, Lance, <laughs> you know, Wilson, one of those would be really exciting. I got to think, but again, I'll have a stronger opinion about the draft a couple episodes from now. I'm going to keep kind of digging and digging and there'll be updated mocks and all that and updated conversation moving forward. We're just uh, not quite there yet, I hate to say. That's just how that goes. Um, but, well, look at wide receivers. Well, not not wide receivers in free agency, but uh, mostly, particularly in the uh, uh, in, in the draft, possibly quarterback, of course. Uh, guards, linemen, I mean, this and that. I mean, you're, can you get a guard in the draft as you move down? I'm really hoping so. Really hoping the Vikings can get a, uh, you know, can, can acquire a guard or two in the draft. Um, potentially take another tackle. See what happens. Uh, you potentially have your left tackle of the future in Ezra Cleveland, but it's no guarantee. It's no guarantee, but I mean, if you really want to just move on from Reef and you pretty much have to and you have a chance to get somebody you really like, then you move Ezra to left tackle. Um, and say, imagine you're able to afford Joe Thune, and he does come here because of that. Well, Ezra Cleveland and Joe Thune, you got uh, Mr. Bradbury in the middle. Right guard, well, then you have to get that going, too. That's the other thing. Right guard, you have nobody then. So that's the other side of it. That's the other side of it. It does create a riff. It would be a Riley Reef riff if that was the case. Rift. A reef rift if we were to let go of Riley Reef. See, that's the other thing. You come back to it and you're like, oh crap. Now now you got right guard again. Drew Samia. Uh, no. Uh, no. Dakota Dozier. Come back. Play right, tack, uh, right guard. Uh, no. So you basically had the two worst guards in the league last year. Drew Samia and Dakota Dozier until you were able to get uh, Ezra Cleveland into full-time play at the right guard position, even though he's generally a left tackle. But you know, it was crazy considering at first, but then he was just pretty solid. Like the whole time, he was good. He was good. So that's nice that you can have versatility and 
the more valuable an offensive lineman is when they're the, the more versatile an offensive lineman is, the more valuable he is. Like like oh my god, you put him from left to right and then it's just done. He's just a turnstile. And you put him on the other side, okay, yeah, he's he's like a superstar. He's a pro bowler. You know, that's the, you know, it, it is what it is. Some guys are like that and some guys are versatile. It's just the way it is along with centers. Like he's 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 really good at center. You put him at guard, forget it or vice versa. Uh, he's originally a center, but we moved him to guard. He's actually decent at guard, and then he just absolutely sucks at center, and that's uh, a weird freaking situation. Like Pat Elfline, I don't know what happened to him. It was really sad, really sad situation with Pat Elfline. It's disappointing considering how good he was as a rookie, and then he got hurt, and then it was just like never the same again. Uh, I really liked Pat Elfline when he first got here. He was so good, and then he just, just wasn't good anymore. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking situation. But I think I, I think we've kind of reached our, uh, you know, objective here for this segment. I think you get the idea. Obviously, there's almost in a lot of ways there's more questions than answers. But at the same time, we know what our needs are, and hopefully the Minnesota Vikings can be able to reach those needs. I mean, getting a Joe Flutie is possible. It's just that he's one guy, and then after him. Well, I mean, you're going to have to look at some of those others that were mentioned, uh, and Iopati or something like that, to kind of hold down the fort. Something like that. And you can move forward. He's an older guy, but he's, he's, he's solid. He's been solid most of his career. Of course, not as good as he was before. <sighs> you get the idea. Again, somebody else has to be cut probably along the way, or restructured. People are going to have to be, people are going to have to be good about that at the end of the day. With that said, we'll take a quick break, come back, and you're going to hear from Gerald String right after this. Joey, Gerald out of Nebraska. I uh, thought I'd do a quick call in. I think I only do about one a year. Uh, I'm just driving down the road today, so uh, not a lot going on. I just thought I'd do a quick call in, do my year-end evaluation. Um, Joey, thanks for all the great shows in 2020. Uh, I like the upgraded versions where you on, the, on your game previews where you went back in history. I thought that was really cool. Uh, brought back some good and bad memories, but uh, I enjoyed every single one of those. So uh, anyway, probably start with my disappointments just because we go yet another year without a Super Bowl trophy. That's always the biggest disappointment, but just the way it kind of felt like the season was getting away from us when we started getting all the injuries to the defense and just sort of deteriorated from there. And not making the playoffs, that's always disappointing. If we get just one one of those games, Chicago, Dallas, uh, I think that would have got us in the playoffs. But uh, not sure we would have went very far. Don't think we would have made it uh, past the first round anyway, and so it's probably not a complete loss. But uh, always disappointing not making the playoffs. And for sure, going yet another year as a Viking fan and no uh, – no trophies in the hardware case. That's always the biggest disappointment. But uh, my MVP and biggest surprise has to be Justin Jefferson. Uh, that felt we were lucky that he fell to us in the draft. And uh, wow, what a superstar he turned out to be. Um, I think he's going to be a stud staple for us here going forward. I'm pretty excited to have him on board. So uh, pretty cool. 
Um, lastly, I'll just make a comment on the quarterback situation. I'm sure I'm going to be in the minority, but I'm kind of in the camp where I just want to stick with Kirk Cousins for two more years. I, I'm one of the few guys that thinks he's actually lived up to his contract. I was not a big fan of the big contract when they first uh, signed him, but I just feel like uh, he's kind of lived up to the contract. And when I look at Kirk Cousins, I just, he's just tough. I don't remember a game for as often as he gets hit. I don't remember him sitting out for even one game. I think that's pretty amazing. He's tough. I think he's good for the community. I think he is a good team guy. I look at everybody that's available. I just don't think I see any quarterbacks available that we could actually go get today. That would be a significant upgrade. I've heard Deshaun Watson's name kicked around again. I don't believe he's a player that actually elevates the play of everybody around him. I think hes it's not going to help our cap space. I don't see it as a, being a significant upgrade. I'm just on board with, let's just stick with Kirk Cousins for two more years. Let's go in the draft, go find that diamond in the rough. If we can find a second or third round guy, we got two years to do it. I think Kirk Cousins would be a good mentor. Uh, I don't think he's one of these selfish quarterbacks that wouldn't uh, want to mentor the next if we were able to find a franchise type of guy in the draft. And, uh, I mean, every good athlete has a little ego to them. So everybody's got that little swagger. If, you, if you're a really super good athlete, it seems like they all have a little bit of that to one extent or another. But I really don't see anybody that'd be a significant upgrade. I'm just kind of on board with uh, sticking it out with Kirk. I mean, if you get him in the right situation, Jared Goff made a – made a Super Bowl, uh, Nick Foles. I mean, I think he's in that category. Um, like I said, maybe, maybe I'm in the minority, uh, but that's just, that's just kind of my take on that. But Joey, thanks for all the hard work. I think you elevated your play to another level this year. Uh, like I said, with those game previews, I thought that was pretty cool and just sticking it out in a year that was just not that fun as a Viking fan, but you you keep it fun and uh, enjoy everybody's interaction. And uh, looking forward to 2021, getting our defense healthy again, getting the Neil Hunter back, getting Pierce off the COVID list. I I really like the draft picks from last year. I like our secondary. I think they're only going to get better. Um, when I go back and watch some of the games on Game Pass, um, they played they had played pretty well. There's just a few games where they had a a play here and there if they can clean that up I think they're only going to improve and if we can get that defense back uh that the offense was actually pretty fun to watch in some of those games this year it's just that it just was overshadowed by not making the playoffs and just our just our defense deteriorating so anyway again looking forward to 2021 Skull Purple Mafia Nation thanks Joey we'll talk to you later and that was Purple Mafia Hall of Famer Gerald String out of Nebraska. I can't thank you enough for the awesome, awesome words. Awesome call-in. Great job. Really, really good call-in. And, yes, thank you so much for seeing how the show continues to improve and get better and better with all the years. It's like, man, it's, it's been a while. It's been a long run, 13 years of Purple Mafia, and there will be a 14th year. God willing, there will be a 14th year of Purple Mafia, uh, depending on what happens out there in the world. No, I mean, you just never know, right? But, uh, no, I mean... Really, really cool thoughts. Great football mind there from a veteran Vikings fan, Gerald String. Uh, yep, I mean, it, and 
interesting point when you talk about Kirk Cousins, and I'm kind of kind of leaning that direction as well. I'm not happy with the contract. I'm scared to death about the $45 million cap hit. That's the one thing I'm scared to death about. That's the one thing where because there's got to be some kind of restructure, hopefully not involving an extension, that kind of thing. Um, he, hey, you know, like knock on wood over here. You're, you're right about that. And I've been thinking the same thing, but I never mention it because, you know, much to my own fault. It's my own fault, but <laughs> he doesn't get hurt. Kirk Cousins does not get hurt. And <clears throat> Hear that? Hear that? Yeah. He doesn't get hurt. Um, it, it's amazing how he's able to take a lot of hits and such. And, you know, obviously it's the mental gas that drives people crazy at times. Uh, he had much fewer of those most la- uh, lately, like late last year, and a few, few of them this year. But there were a few, I guess. You know, there were a few like that opening half interception, a pick six. There, there's always going to be something, but I suppose every quarterback has their bad days and has their bad moments. Fred Favre had many, many, and many more. And that drove everyone crazy, of course. But, uh, you know, obviously Favre and Cousins are not in the same camp. I, I don't think Cousins is a Hall of Fame quarterback or anything like that. But, I mean, you, you bring up a point where you can at least hold down the fort, uh, keep us competitive. Some people think you could actually take us to the Super Bowl with a really good offensive line. Yeah, I mean, a good offensive line can get you to the Super Bowl. Yeah, even with like a, a Trent Dilfer type of quarterback who used to make a ton of mistakes and such, but then he got smarter as his career moved forward into Baltimore and Seattle, so to speak. Kirk Cousins obviously has the great arm that a lot of our quarterbacks have not had. Obviously lacking in the mobility. Listen, that he's not good under pressure, yet again, he stays healthy. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been damaged goods. He's been injured. He can be spectacular. But the thing is, even if he is a slight upgrade, which obviously he's, you know, he's going to be an upgrade in some areas with the uh, mobility and such, and he's got a lot of skill, he's got a lot of talent, but he's not worth trading away four first-round picks. Some people would actually be willing to do that. Four first-round picks. You're literally gutting your franchise when you do stuff like that, I think. I think you're just literally mortgaging your franchise on one guy. Kind of like, again, signing Kirk Cousins to like a $45 million uh, cap hit. It's a tough, tough deal there when you think about that. Um, I almost coughed to death there. I have the mic there for a second. I apologize. Um, uh, It's... Yeah, it's a tough situation. It's something we're kind of stuck in right now, obviously, one way or another. But, again, drafting a quarterback. I mean, again, the Houston Texans drafted Deshaun Watson. The Seattle Seahawks drafted Russell Wilson. Just find the right guy, you know, and pray to God he's there, that type of thing, and I take him. Pray to God you can get somebody who's way better than other people think without having to give up the farm. That that that's, That is the... That is the road to success for this franchise and many other franchises. I mean, Seattle won a Super Bowl. Obviously, Houston got a really good quarterback. That they, they won a playoff game, and then now he's unhappy. Of course, they didn't build, build well around him, and they traded away his top receiver for uh, an off-injured running back. Smart. Smart. Very smart. Magnavox. Yes. Smart. Very smart. Brilliant. Yeah, okay, I keep going on that one. But, yeah, it's stuff like that, obviously, that can drive you crazy. Really, really nice calling. And good good points there. Gerald, great to hear from you. And we will have, again, two new Purple Mafia Hall of Famers as we near the end of the show. Let's get to the Twitter account, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. Tanae Brown out of New Zealand. Vince Germano out of Australia retweeted the most recent episode, No One Will Catch Brady, episode 339. This is episode 340. State of the Vikings, 2021. Purple Mafia. No, here's Tanae Brown out of New Zealand. He says, Clint Kubiak becoming the OC worries me. 
All because of Ryan Saunders. Yep, kind of like too young. Yeah, because Clint Kubiak has become the OC since the last episode. I didn't even mention that, but I kind of figured. Well, obviously you already know that and this and that. Will there be some changes? I'm sure there will be some changes. I mean, obviously every coach is different. You know, like I said, younger guy. Ryan Saunders wasn't the same as Flip Saunders, that kind of thing. Flip was was decent in his time, but I'll, I'll always say Flip was not a great coach. He was a good coach. But sometimes a good coach can win a championship as well. You don't have to be great, necessarily. Is Eric Spolster a great coach? I don't know about that. I think he's a good coach when the Miami Heat won championships. Good coach with really, really good players. That kind of thing. Um, you know, every sport, it's a player's league, this type of thing, though. It's good to have a good coach as well. I'm not sure what to think about Clint Kubiak at the end of the day. The whole thing does kind of reek of, like, Mike Zimmer's kind of on his last leg with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I mean, think about it. You know, his son is the defensive coordinator, basically, and then Gary Kubiak's son is the offensive coordinator. Obviously, uh, the other Zimmer, Adam Zimmer, working with Andre Patterson, their co-defensive coordinator. It's kind of strange. Well, the defense wasn't really good last year, but it improved in some areas during the course of the season. The cornerbacks got better during the course of the season. Apologize for that background noise there. But, uh, yeah, it got better during the course of time, but you know how that goes. It's... uh, guys develop, guys improve, and you hope they can continue to do so. Yep, so, I mean, there will probably be more of a passing game than just run, 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 like we had last year. I'm thinking there's going to be some adjustments. It can't just be the exact same thing over and over and over again. There's no way it would be exactly the same. So, yeah, but uh, no, I, I understand, again, how you just don't know how he's going to really, truly fit in. But he's the OC, he's not the head coach, that type of thing, compared to Ryan Saunders or the Timberwolves. But yes, um, probably a little on the young side. Yeah, just a little green there. A little green there. A little green. Uh, Dave Hickey also retweeted the most recent episode. He is a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Tanae Brown is a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Sam Gupta, a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. See what I mean, though? A lot of people are Hall of Fame, and they deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. It's just I'd rather slow down and not put everyone in there right away, and then there's no one left. Um, Dave Hickey says, can't wait to hear your thoughts on the big game. That must have been the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, because it was right after that. And yeah, that was a, you know... I'm happy with who won. I, I hope, Dave, I hope you don't mind uh, what, what I said. And I'm a Brady fan. I'm a Tom Brady fan. And I, I don't know. I don't like Kansas City that much for some reason. I don't know. It might be something to do with uh, an old uh, pro, uh, Kansas City Chiefs podcast host that I thought was a friend that completely turned on me years ago. He just completely turned on me. It's amazing how people change when they have like a little bit of success and they're suddenly like 10 times better than you and you're a piece of crap, basically. Yeah, you know, welcome to the planet. Welcome to planet Earth. People are like that. People are funny. You know, you really learn who your friends are when they have a little tiny bit of success. You do, you know. it's. <laughs> I mean, I think we've all been through that. I don't think anybody on the planet enjoys it. Honest to God. It's it's BS, man. Uh, and that's not the only reason I don't like the Chiefs very much. I don't know. I think they're. Uh, I think it's a real cocky team with a bad attitude at times, but some of them are good guys. I like, uh, I like uh, Mr. <laughs> I do like Patrick Mahomes. He seems like a really good guy. For, for what he is, he's pretty humble, and I appreciate that very much. You know, when you think about what he is, he's, he's an awfully humble guy. I'm looking through the notifications here, digging through. It's mostly just notifications, and that's it. It's not like interaction with the, with the show here, and that, that's how it goes. It's the offseason, uh, though I appreciate Tanae and Dave Hickey interacting there. Dave Martin, hope all is well. I also heard from Vigit, V-I-G, 
IT, Vigit, Vigit. They're probably going to be a sponsor here very, very soon, in case he's listening. David from Vigit contacted me not too long ago. It's kind of, uh, well, I'm going to learn more and more about it. It's kind of similar to like a, it's kind of like a DraftKings type of thing, but I'm going to learn more about it over the course of time. I've just been too busy and not been <laughs> not been the best communicator myself lately. Just been, you know, there's always other things I do, like including this show. I am still scrolling and seeing just little stars, and I'm not seeing anything else. Here we go. Oh, yeah, me and Ali Siddiqui had a little brief interaction. Ali Siddiqui locally here was talking about, uh, you know, list five famous people you've either <laughs> either met or have been within a few feet of, but no one is, a, but one is a lie. Then let your friends guess which one they think. So, yeah, you list five people and one's a lie. He listed Adrian Peterson, Bill Murray, Brock Lesnar, Kevin Garnett, and Hakeem Olajuwon. And strange as it is, Kevin Garnett was the one that was the lie. So he'd met or seen Hakeem Olajuwon. Wow, Hakeem, Hakeem Olajuwon, Brock Lesnar, Bill Murray, yep, must have been at a Saints game, and Adrian Peterson, kind of cool. My list was Kevin Garnett, Chris Carter, Kirby Puckett, Marty Cordova, and Robert Smith. Robert Smith. Uh, try to guess which one. Try to guess. Try to guess. Just, just kind of guess in your head, and then I'll tell you in about five seconds here. Uh, which one that I never got to meet? It was Kirby Puckett. I never got to meet Kirby Puckett. And it's not because I'm too young. Of course, yes, Kirby Puckett's an old guy. Obviously, he was an older guy. He'd be 60 years old now if he was still living. God bless him, man. I think he just turned 61, actually, uh, in early March. And he died in early March. So right about that time, uh, years ago, back in 2006, he died at 45. 45 was right before his birthday, actually, in early, early March. He died of a stroke. Kirby Puckett. God rest his soul. Loved him so much. Loved Kirby Puckett so much. Um, I wish I got to meet him, but I met Kevin Garnett. Yes, I met Kevin Garnett at uh, one of those preseason scrimmages. Chris Carter. Yes, so there's your Viking relation there. Chris Carter. I met Chris Carter at my dad's salon years ago. Obviously, my dad's uh, since retired. This was circa... 1993, way back in 93, when Chris Carter was just kind of getting on the scene. He had, obviously, he was a name. People had heard of him. He'd been playing since 87. But at the end of 93 was when he finally got to the 1,000-yard range, and people started really noticing him, and he was named to the Pro Bowl later that day. But yeah, I met him. He was getting his nails done, of all things. His nails done. It was uh, it was the week before the New York Giants playoff game. Not the 41 Donut game, but the one where you know we barely lost in New York in 93. Uh, of course, that would have been like January 94, but uh, yeah, it was right before the playoff game. Big, huge son of a gun, man. I mean, it's just like, holy crap. Very intimidating. I was only 14, because this is 93. I'm born in 79. So, yes, you can tell my age. I'm 41 now. Chris Carter's way up there. <laughs> Chris Carter, awesome player, obviously. Uh, I, he was my favorite Viking for quite a while there, because you throw him the ball and he catches it. It's just that simple. He was just Mr. Glue. And then, of course, the uh, the tiptoes on the sidelines started developing as the years moved on with Warren Moon and such. Those sideline catches with Warren Moon and others as the years went by. Chris Carter, always loved him. Great player. Obviously, I, I didn't like the arrogance later on in his career, but what are you going to do? Uh, a very commanding man. <laughs> you could tell he's just a, you know, but he was really nice. He was really nice, but commanding. You know, he, he was intimidating. He's big, man. For a wide receiver, he's a big son of a gun. Um... I saw Marty Cordova again. This is related to my dad's salon again. Uh, he was having like a, a, a hallway sale, just kind of selling shampoo and such. And then I'm like, okay, what, what the heck? Oh, my God. And talk about big, you know, because obviously baseball player and he was like a, a home run 
type type of guy back in the day. He had a, unfortunately, it turns out he took steroids, so you can understand why, how, why he'd be that big, partially, too. Unfortunately, he was one of the steroid guys. This was circa 1996. Yeah, it was the year after his awesome rookie year in 95. It was the only positive thing other than, of course, everything sucked about 95. The Twins had a terrible record. At the end of the year, Puckett got hit in the face, and that was not related to his blindness. And then in 96, Kirby Puckett retired because of the blindness that took over the glaucoma. Glaucoma and getting hit in the face are two very different things, obviously. Cordova wasn't hitting for as much power, but his batting average was way up in 96. Um, Marty Cordova bought some shampoo. Marty Cordova bought some shampoo, and he had some skinny, really nice-looking... I don't know if what she was, a groupie or whatever, with her arms around him the whole time. Yep, uh, I don't know. I don't know what she was, but uh, Cordova was a very proud guy, unfortunately. (laughs) A little bit too proud, but he wasn't mean. He wasn't rude or anything. Just very quiet and very proud-looking. And I met Robert Smith, circa 96. Yeah, all these are like back in the day. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, High school. Mr. Frankie. Tom Frankie. Mr. Frankie, awesomest teacher in the history of Hopkins High School. I'm not even kidding. Astronomy class. Wow. A big football fan. Yes. From Wisconsin. Yes. Packer fan. Yes. They won the Super Bowl that year, too. So, yeah, you can put all that all that together. Yeah. Packers won the Super Bowl. He wore his Favre jersey on Mondays because it was, it was Packer Day. And I'd wear a Viking jersey on because it was Viking Day just to counter it. And he had fun. He thought I had good taste, particularly when the Vikings had beaten the Packers. It was pretty funny. Packers, of course, won the war, though. They won the Super Bowl. Uh, he invited Robert Smith to the class to talk about astronomy, because Robert Smith is big on that kind of thing, and I met Robert Bleepin' Smith uh, at the end of the at the end of the day, he was drinking a Jerry Coke, uh, cherry Coke, pardon me, I shook his hand, so, yeah, a little bit off the, a little bit briefly off topic here, but not really, cool conversation, cool thought, I thought I'd bring that up, because that's kind of re, some of you guys like to talk about history, obviously Gerald loves that, I love it too, I like history, so, it's Kind of sad that all this is like back in the day. Uh, Kevin Garnett, that was circa 1999. January 99 when the lockout ended. January, February 99. There was that huge lockout. 98-99 season. I believe it was January. The free public scrimmage. Kevin Garnett of all people. You know, he all of a sudden sits down in this, you know, those metal chairs and he starts shaking a black marker. And it's like, oh my God. Oh my God. And then everyone ran, ran over there. You know, because there wasn't money, many of us, so I was lucky. And then I'm like, wait a minute, what am I going to have him sign? I look down, what am I wearing? A replica Kevin Garnett jersey. So, duh, Kevin Garnett signed it KG21. It would have been nicer if it was his full name, but that's what he did that day. KG21, it is what it is. And it's, it's still, I, I got his autograph. Uh, I got Chris Carter's autograph as well. Cordova, Robert Smith, no. <laughs> Robert Smith had agreed with uh, Mr. Frankie. Before, like, yeah, you know, this is for the school, not for signing autographs. So, and I, do you think I was going to argue with that? No, no, it was pretty cool. Uh, Not long after that, Robert Smith got hurt again, by the way, which was kind of a bummer. Uh, But eventually he finally was able to stay healthy and had a hell of a career with the Vikings. It was like almost every year he had some kind of knee injury and be out for the season in his uh, back in the 90s but uh, that's how that goes thank you guys for the interaction and that ollie conversation was cool uh, ollie sidikai locally so he writes for pro football spot um very very cool <laughs> very cool indeed so let's see let's move over to facebook facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show uh okay most recent episode there's one comment after that Super Bowl episode, the comment is Gerald String. There he is. Great podcast. 
Yeah, I think your title to the show is safe. Don't think we'll see anyone get close to our life in our lifetime to Brady's accomplishments. We're witnessing the greatest athlete to ever play a professional sports team in all of history. He looked closer to 33 than, 30, than 43. I hope he plays two more years at least. And yeah, he looked amazing, didn't he? I can't agree more about that. Uh, OC, uh, the OC is Clint Kubiak. Nobody commented there, just clicking like. Marty Schottenheimer passed away at age 77. Uh, he had complications there with the, that's unfortunate, I believe it's cancer. Uh, rest in peace, Marty, says Gerald String, prayers to his family. Absolutely. Um, the annual State of the Vikings, I'll get to that in a second. I'll come back. Carson Wentz was traded from the, Col uh, the Eagles to the Colts for two picks. And where's the comment? It just went away. Gerald String, yeah, wow, he dominated this episode, didn't he? Gerald String says, this might be good for both Eagles and the Colts. Wentz went back with the old coach. Yeah, that would be that uh, uh, Frank Reich and familiar offense and win now team. Eagles move on with no quarterback controversy. Yeah, pretty cool. Unless they trade up for a quarterback again. I don't think they're going to do that. Why would they do that? Vikings release tight end. Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> Roger Inboden says... Yep, 100% class act. Old Rudy, was a, he was a great Viking. And Gerald String, because, yep, you hate to see a pillar like that go. He's been great, but too expensive for his age. And, yeah, I mean, too too expensive, unfortunately. Uh, Vikings re reacquire defensive end Stephen Weatherly. And no comment there, just likes. So we'll go back to the final type of stuff here. Annual State of the Vikings 2021. Here we go. Uh, Mark Carlson says, Biggest disappointment was the entire defense and strategy. The Vikings' D seemed to pose little or no threat this year. This is a big deal to me. I hate teams walking all over us. Yeah, isn't that frustrating? Especially dislike getting burned by an efficient passing attack. And on top of that, being burned deep. I expected better. Now, who couldn't be more excited about the development of our rookie wide receiver? Yep, yep. <laughs> and I did not expect that. Jefferson was my biggest surprise. And I would give Dalvin Cook the MVP because he has because he has moves. He has vision and legs and strength. He is fearless when he runs too. All of that done at a very high speed. He wears defenses play after play. Now a shout out to all the new people who joined Purple Mafia this year. Let's hear from all of you, Skull brothers and sisters. I love saying that. Mark from Iowa. Yep, he's kind of doing a, a shout out to Mr. Uh, he's doing a shout out to Mr. <laughs> Dave Martin. Leland Albertson says, Minnesota Vikings season MVP Cook. He he was pretty solid most of the season. Biggest disappointment, all the losses, and the defense was terrible. Your biggest surprise has to be Jefferson. He was stunning almost all of the games, yep, without a doubt. So now we'll get to the annual awards as we wrap up the episode. The granddaddy of them all. State of the Vikings 2021. The Bronze Star of the Year. Boy, it's like all over the place, man. It's a tough one. The Bronze Star of the Year is going to go to... Oh, man, it's so tough. <laughs> it's like I had people I had people in mind, and then it's like your brain kind of slows down. Bronze, Bronze Star of the Year is going to go to a couple people. It's going to go to Gerald. It's going to go to Mark Carlson and Dave Hickey. The Silver Star of the Year is going to go to Dave Martin and... Mr. Brett McCarthy, who I just, you know, they are just anchors. They keep this show going every single week, every single week. Amazing run um, at the end of the day. Uh, I'm going to actually add Leland to the silver. Silver, yep, so I'm going to have three silver. Isn't that crazy? I should, uh, I'm going too, I think I'm way overdoing it, actually. We're going to, I should narrow it down to one person each. So, <laughs> Bronze Star of the Year, 
is going to go to Dave Martin. Silver Star of the Year is going to go to Leland Albertson out of Iowa. And the Gold Star of the Year is going to go to Mike Dale out of the New York area. Mike Dale will bring in the Gold Star of the Year. Congratulations. Hofstra, he studied management at Hofstra University. <laughs> he is, lives in the New York area. So it looks like a big music guy and all that. Um, but there you go. That is your... Those are your stars of the year. Mike Dale will bring in the gold. And yeah, I don't know why I keep jumping out and throwing like multiple stars. I'm always in the mood to just give. I want to give all of you stars because I love all of you so much. But Mike Dale is going to bring home the gold star of the year. What an amazing, amazing year for Mike Dale. Amazing conversation. Uh, really brought things together in a lot of ways. Uh, if there's a gold star for this episode, it's Gerald String with a bullet. Awesome, awesome episode for Gerald String. He gets the gold star, the great calling. And lots of conversations. Just a bit of everywhere there. Uh, but the Gold Star of the Year is going to Mike Dale. Out of New York State, not New York City. So now it is time <laughs> for the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame inductees. song of excellence, a song of victory, and a song we hope is one day played as they carry the Lombardi Trophy to the Minnesota Vikings waiting up there on the center stage at the end of Super Bowl, whatever it is, hopefully the nearest, hopefully the next one. <laughs> We're all just waiting and dying for that day to come, Super Bowl 56. Oh Lord, we want it so bad here in Minnesota, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But for now, we're going to celebrate the likes of two new inductees to the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. The first one is going to go to Leland Albertson out of Iowa. Uh, I've been so loyal to the show. He's wrote nice uh, reviews and all that. He's been so supportive, and he's he, he's around. You know, sometimes sometimes he's busy, sometimes he's on. But he's he was pretty consistent all over the course of this season, and that's why he wound up with a pretty nice star of the year as well. But uh, obviously, loyalty to the show, uh, good comments, good good football takes. It's time for Leland Albertson to be inducted into the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame, the 2021 class. The second person is a man from White Bear Lake, Minnesota, who unfortunately passed away in uh, in uh, at, at the end of January, kind of similar to Neil Nate Dog Thiessen. I probably mentioned him on this show many times uh, in the past. He was the former host of Brave the Wild. Only 33 years of age was Neil Nate Dog Thiessen, right around the same time. Um, I think Kurt uh, like maybe a couple weeks in difference but obviously three years difference at the end of the day uh, both two guys that had just you know uh, unfortunately let themselves go uh, physically a bit and sudden cardiac arrest and by the time they were revived not literally revived but they got the heart you know the uh, paramedics came and got the heart going it was just you know the heart was going but not enough oxygen had gotten to the brain and the damage had been done with both with both young men, uh, Kurt Beck unfortunately passed away at the age of 58. Uh, God bless him so much. Miss Kurt Beck, uh, one of the greatest men I ever met. Uh, obviously a great coworker, great friend, fun, uh, fun, fun personality. And you probably saw him a bit in the message boards and such. Uh, he absolutely deserves to be in the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. Uh, he, he didn't comment that much, but he did. He did comment. He was usually there a couple of times uh, during the course of games. You know, the live in-game thread. And 
I mean, I can't think of a better time to put him into the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame than now, obviously, and he, he deserves to be there. Very loyal Viking fan, very loyal to the show, always listened. You know, he would uh, talk to me off the mic as well. So it's stuff like that. Unfortunately, you didn't see some of those conversations, obviously, because they were private conversations, but an amazing guy, and he'll be greatly missed. Kurt Back enters the 2021 class over the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. With that, we're going to get to the contact details and wrap things up for the Purple Mafia State of the Vikings 2021. Facebook page, of course, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Twitter account is at Purple Mafia Show, so at least they're both simple and easy to remember. Uh, if you want to get on the air, just like Gerald did earlier, and I so wish Kurt did. I, I know he could have, but it's just, you know, it's how it goes at times. It's just things, you know, it's just, uh, it's one of the saddest things, you know. You just, there's never enough time for anything, never enough time for anything in this world. You know, you, you just never know that kind of thing. That's what sucks so much about that. Uh, obviously a huge loss. Um, but uh, to get on the air like Gerald String did, pardon me, my mind's wandering could probably imagine why uh simply open your smart device there are free voice recording applications on every smart device on the planet simply open it up press record treat it like a phone call like gerald did hit stop and then email slash share it to paladino live at yahoo.com paladino live at yahoo.com i will then convert it into an mp3 file thanks to zumzar.com which is so wonderful that they're able to provide that service a small enough file and it's free, so that's pretty cool. Maybe if you're out there doing podcasts, you need to convert files for whatever reason, because usually it comes in as an M4A when somebody sends an audio submission from their smart device, which is totally fine. It is what it is. Maybe you use Audacity out there. Maybe you're a fellow podcaster, you know, like somebody like me, who I could just uh, use Audacity with my microphone and laptop and then email it to them, and it's already a uh, MP3 file, that kind of thing. But everyone's different. Everyone has a different situation. <clears throat> so it is what it is. Uh, it would be great to hear from you out there. And keep calling in, Gerald. Keep calling in Dave Martin, Mad Martin. Missed you a lot. Haven't heard from him for a little bit <clears throat> and all that. So hope to hear from you some more. Mark Carlson has sent in Brent Jacobson in the past. Missed, missed Brent a lot. Hope to hear more from him. <clears throat> yeah, hope he had a happy birthday very recently. Brent Jacobson had a happy birthday most recently. I believe he turned 43. I think he's the same age as uh, Brady about there. I hope I'm, I hope I'm correct. But he's right around the uh, he's right around the ballpark, you know. It's similar generation. We're all Gen Xs, not all of us, but uh, a lot of us are Gen Xs. Some of you might be baby boomers out there, and some of you might be uh, millennials or even Gen Zs that listen to this show. So, but there's a lot of Gen Xs involved in this show. I'd have to say, <laughs> most likely, you know, older Gen Xs or really young uh, baby boomers, that kind of thing. In some of your cases, <clears throat> as Gen X, you could be like 50 years old and still be Gen X. You know, you're like on the older side of it, that kind of thing. And then there's the younger side where we're about 40. <laughs> Crazy. Imagine how old Gen X is already. It's kind of sad, you know. But that's life. <clears throat> Hard to imagine. There's 35-year-old millennials. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. But uh, I'll stop now about that. Uh, the other thing, final thing, or final couple things, please write a positive rating for Probo Mafia on Apple Podcasts audible or stitcher if you could those are the three applications that i know provide that service others may as well that i that i don't know about but those do provide the service where you could uh, write a positive or or negative review for the show hopefully it's positive if you could do that i'd, re- I'd greatly appreciate it you'd be guaranteed a star on the episode and of course i'll give you a shout out and a thank you oh so very much i know you're not that worried about me giving you a shout out though some people like it some people don't care it is what it is but i'd love to hear from you on the show regardless one way or another, and uh, anything you could do to help the show that way would be so greatly appreciated. 
with that said, I think that's pretty much it. It's pretty much a wrap, and now we're it's all on Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, guys like that. Many back channel back channel conversations on possible trades. Hopefully, the Vikings don't go all in, go all in, and screw things up way too much. And hopefully, we draft the right players. Hopefully, a miracle can happen, and we find the right quarterback somehow, some way. They could nurture behind Kirk Cousins for a couple of years, and the next thing you know, we have the next Aaron Rodgers. We have the next. Who knows? We have the next Deshaun Watson. We have the next Steve Young. We have the next Joe Montana. Who knows? I'm hoping it's going to be somebody that can lead this franchise in the right direction. Uh, and while we're doing that, continue to improve that offensive line, defensive line. The game's won in the trenches. It is won in the trenches. Obviously, did a great job with the two cornerbacks we got, and even a possibly Harrison Hand, uh, the secondary with the safety position and all that as well. Linebackers. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, we'll talk about that in the next episode with free agency, and we'll preview a little more with the draft. And then there will be the official draft preview two episodes away. With that said, I hope you all enjoy this uh, coming spring as things are warming up here in the Twin Cities, at least in this area, and maybe in Iowa as well. I'm sure it is in Iowa as well. And Iowa, South Dakota. Uh, Hopefully it's doing okay in Northern Scotland, New Zealand, places like that. Very different uh, climates in those two cases. Very different from each other as well, obviously. Uh, hope you guys all have a great uh, in Australia also with Vince, Vince Germano um, hope you have a great couple weeks or so here and hope the Vikings can uh, improve things and we'll see who else departs from the Minnesota Vikings franchise until next time, take care <laughs>